0: Hey, everyone, a quick note before we uh, actually get to Today's show. Originally, this was going to be our Creep Show 3 episode, but we're pushing that back a little bit in order to, uh, number one, accommodate a guest, and number two, it's fucking Creep Show 3. So I think both Jerry and I are putting that one off for as long as humanly possible. But uh, the reality is, we have a, a pretty fun guest lined up for that one. So we want to accommodate their schedule. So that will be coming out a week from today. So in its place, we're bringing you our um, Skype read of Resident Evil, of uh, George Romero's drafted script for this film that never got to be. Um, sadly, we wanted to broadcast this live and unfortunately do a Due to a lot of technological issues we were unable to do that and then during the first recording for this also you'll notice that some people change roles or it cuts out or some people aren't around for the last hour uh, unfortunately when we were recording the last hour also did not come out correctly so we had to break it up a little bit um, that's just the way these things go but i want to take a second and thank everyone who participated, obviously, Jerry, Brian, uh, Veronica, along with, like, Diane M. Porter, uh, Aaron Fitzgerald, um, Johnny Donaldson, of course, Mike Vanderbilt, um, Grace. So I hope I'm not missing anyone out there. Of course, Jacob Davidson as well uh, from iHorror.net. We really appreciate... Anyone who's like giving us their time right now Uh, We're having a lot of fun doing these We hope you're having some fun listening to these as well And we are currently digging for our next unmade horror movie script So we can get together one night and do this So we didn't want to have no show up this week So we thought we would bring you our recording of George Romero's Resident Evil We hope you guys enjoy it (laughs)
1: This is Audible, Resident Evil, original screenplay by George A. Romero, based on the game by Capcom. Screen story by George A. Romero and Peter Grunwald. Constantine Phil, Romero Grunwald Productions, first draft, October 7th, 1998. Resident Evil, presentation credits appear, then fade, out of black, shot cut to interior lab, a level, timeless, a man's face filling the screen. Stay away from here. We're watching a video monitor. A pre-recorded tape shows a view of what is obviously a pristine research laboratory. Dr. John Marcus, in a lab coat, faces the camera, disheveled and looking like a madman.
2: The lab must remain sealed!
1: In the conference room, overhead lamps cast pools of light down on a conference table, onto the hands of people assembled to observe the video. We see no faces, but expensive watches, sleeves, with high-ranking stripes indicate wealth, power, and a military presence.
2: For God's sakes, don't come in.
1: The camera is swatted by a hand that lurches suddenly into the foreground. We only see it for a few frames, but we might subliminally notice lesions on the flesh. The image swirls wildly. The next (coughs) picture we see is of the same laboratory topsy turvy. The camera is lying on its side on the floor.
2: Look here.
1: A laser pointer casts a red dot on a corner of the video screen, indicating a hunched figure leaning over a human body, apparently feeding. With a grunt, the figure turns and lunges, its face covered with blood at the camera. The image swirls again and the screen goes black. With a music sting, a title appears, full across to blackness. In the forest, pre-dawn, a dark sky and in the foreground profiled against the full moon, a dark face watching the heavens with piercing black eyes, alert but not predatory. This is Chris Redfield, young, handsome, more than simply an outdoors type. He seems perfectly in place, almost part of the environment. Sitting on a ridge, squinting into that band of light, Chris sees an eagle coasting on a channel of wind that cuts through the hilltops. As the bird moves swiftly closer, it becomes recognizable. Chris smiles and jots a node on a pad. The regal bird lands on a high rock where unexpectedly a freshwater trout lies flapping 3,000 feet above the highest water. Take it, Goliath. You earned it. Goliath snaps up the fish and flies away from it. See you, see you next year, guy. Another eagle, smaller, a female, appears in the sky. Cleopatra, come on. Come on down. Eagle circles. It's sharp. Eyes scanning. It makes another dive, but stops short again. What's the matter, beautiful? The bird seems frightened. Of what? It makes one more dive. Gets very close to the fish, but suddenly shrieks and peels away from the rock. Chris, concerned as he watches the eagle disappear over the hills. Over his shoulder, we can see a high rock that holds the fish. It's out of focus in the background, but the moonlight catches something more moving there something that lets out a sharp, inhuman sound. Chris whirls around. There's nothing on a rock, nothing at all. The fish has been taken. In Gerald's apartment at dawn, Chris walks into a characterless apartment and sheds his clothes. Live, laugh, love is on the, uh, the wall of a <laughs> Even in silhouette, we see that his body is in perfect shape, lean and tight, moving lively. With the natural grace of a cat, he eases himself into a bed where a beautiful young girl, Jill Valentine, seems to be fast asleep. As Chris nestles in beside her, we see that her eyes facing away are open. Chris gently drapes an arm around her and lets his body relax. Glad you're still here, lady.
3: It's my apartment. You're awake? I've been awake since you left.
4: Sorry, there was something wrong.
3: What, with my dinner? I never had a mother. I'll learn.
4: (laughs) I'll do the cooking. (laughs) On the on the mountain there must have been something prowling up there.
3: There are probably all kinds of things prowling around up there in the middle of the night.
4: I'm sorry, really, you have to be there at dawn. They ride the wind over the ridge.
3: Dawn, you left at one a.m.
4: I had to go fishing. It's the fish that bring them down, so I can get a close look at them. I've tracked a dozen of them, Jill. Twelve of those big bruisers. I can actually recognize them. I've even given them names over the years.
3: You've been doing this for years?
4: Only in the early autumn, when they're migrating.
3: I'll set the alarm for next October. I wish I could get excited, really. That's the truth. As excited as you over such simple things.
4: Beauty isn't simple. If it was, I'd be beautiful. You are. No, no, no. I'm simple. You, on the other hand, have all that stuff hiding underneath somewhere. That's what fascinates me.
3: Fascination. Not love?
4: I honestly don't know. I I guess I've been living alone too long. You're the first, the only woman I've ever thought of as a real partner.
3: I've always been afraid of living alone. I've always had people talking at me, knowing they could wind me up and I'd do whatever they wanted. We all have something hidden underneath. Beauty may not be simple, but it's not all that complicated either. Most of the time, you find it right in the middle of all the confusion.
4: Our Mohawk Indians never hear, are never confused. At least
1: they never let it show. They kiss again, this time more passionately. Rolling over, they begin to make love. On a farm at dawn, the purple horizon is turning orange, but it's still quite dark when a crusty old farmhand, Rake, opens the creaking door of a stable with a flashlight, leads three horses into the morning breeze. Two dogs, a Lab and a Spaniel, romp at his heels as Rake opens a log gate. Two of the untethered horses trot obediently into a large corral. The third, a beautiful stallion, resists, snorting, tossing its head in high spirit. Get in there, Lucky. Quit horsing around. Get! Hold on. <laughs> Lucky. Lucky moves into the corral, strutting proudly. I swear, if I didn't know you was just an animal, I'd say you was <laughs> all full of yourself. Get in there! The dogs suddenly do Their ears point. Their ears per- hurt. Per- <laughs> they sniff the air and begin to whine.
5: What is wrong with you two?
1: Crack! A startling sound, Rake turns into find Lucky and the other horses, their eyes flaring, trying to kick their way out of the fencing. They seem terrified. A wide shot of Rake and the frightened animals, 200 yards away. The camera moves in slowly at first, then gaining speed. Extraordinary speed, we are seeing through, through the eyes of whatever it is that's running. Charging, slathering hungrily, reaching the corral, darting through the fence, past the kicking horses and leaping at Rake, who whirls around and cries out the ah! as the flies. life lines the with whiteness. The whiteness becomes the glare of halogen lights. We are overcome, overwhelmed by the sound of aircraft engines. We are men. We see men, armed soldiers, scrambling into combat, helicopters. A radio man right runs right toward the camera and holding out an open receiver.
6: Top breath, sir.
1: Another man in the foreground takes the radio phone. We can't see his face, only his forearm, which bears a tattoo of a grinning skull.
6: Alpha leader.
2: How long long? before you... How long before you get in there?
1: Fifteen minutes. At an office at dawn, a suit talks on a red telephone. Once again, we see no face. An ostentatious diamond ring kicks light as the man snips off the end of a Monte Cristo. Yes, he?
2: I'm the man with a ring?
1: Yeah. When he says Monte Cristo, does he mean, like, from Bennigan's? (laughs)
0: Yum.
2: <laughs> I believe it's type of cigar. And sandwich. A sandwich. Oh, a
7: sandwich. I
2: much prefer the sandwich, and now I really want one.
7: Mm-hmm. Like, the end off the sandwich before he eats it.
3: <laughs> Evil doesn't eat crust.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, so I have on my list from earlier Ada Wong, Dr. Marcus, voice on the phone.
0: Yeah, so. I think that combines with Man in the Ring. My bad.
2: Okay. Great. Okay. You're a good soldier, but not that good. It's 500 miles away, in the backwoods of Pennsylvania.
0: We have troops on site. A first strike force, undercover.
2: Very resourceful. You have my permission to activate them.
0: Already done that. You have my permission to say that you gave me permission.
1: The tattooed man runs off to join the other soldiers. In Jill's apartment that morning, Chris sleeps, 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 sleeps. Just Jill is awake, deep in thought. It's not a ring, it's a vibration. She gets out of bed, checking to see that Chris is still asleep, and moves into a bathroom.
3: Valentine. If this is just another drill, I'll strangle you. Shit. Give me the activation code.
1: Jill pulls out a small envelope from the toiletry bag. She breaks open a wax seal and takes out a thick paper on which is printed 29RC6735.
3: That's a match.
1: Jill clicks off. I'm on my way. Jill clicks off. She dumps something else from the envelope into her hand, a blue plastic card the size of a Visa blank, except for a mag stripe. There's a small hole in one corner through which a chain is strung. Jill slings the chain overhead, wearing the blue card like a pendant. Chris is still asleep. Jill comes out of the bathroom and looks down at him longingly. Should she wake him, tell him what's happening? She wants to, but duty prevents him. She pulls herself away. Jill pushes aside hangers, which hold her clothes. She, holds, she types numbers into a hidden keypad. A secret panel opens, revealing a closet within the closet, packed with combat uniforms and weapons. The sound, the front door closing, snaps Chris awake. His first thought is for his lover. He reaches out and finds that she's not in bed. He jumps up, rushes to a window, looks down from the second story and sees Jill, heavily armed, in uniform, wearing a beret that has an insignia of stars, S-T-A-R-S. She rushes down the front path and jumps into a Hummer and three other troopers on board. The vehicle pulls instantly away, leaving Chris looking through the window, puzzled, angry, and very much wounded. In the Hummer the next morning, Russo drives. Williams and Desmond sit in the back, all tough special forces types. Jill in the front passenger seat, though the only female, ranks the highest.
2: Another practice run, right? We've been practicing
7: six
3: months.
2: For what? For this.
3: This is the real deal.
7: Honest to God?
3: Based on my experience, Williams, God isn't always honest.
2: Where are we going? In there.
1: Jill points to the Arkley forest which lies ahead, miles of old growth, trees shrouded in a ghostly morning mist. In the forest in the morning, deep in the heart of the mist, the Hummer bounces over non-roads and stops fifty yards from. A pair of iron gates, each wrought with the letter A. Beyond, the shifting fog offers momentary glimpses of a mansion, huge, like Xanadu. The troopers, amazed, climb out and approach the gates.
7: If you had the jing to build a place like this, would you build it in the middle of fucking nowhere? Paris.
2: Manhattan, Upper West. Some
3: people prefer a quiet life. Our orders are to secure the area.
2: From what? This area has been secure since the French and Indian War.
1: A deep animal, snarl, come from the woods. The troopers raise their weapons as they peer into the underbrush. The fog keeps sunlight from penetrating. The forest is a maze of dark shadows. Leaves flutter, limbs snap. Dark shapes can be seen moving, circling. A half dozen of them, maybe more.
3: This is Valentine. Bravo, team. We are, we might be in trouble here.
1: Something leaps out of the bush. Automatic. Weapons spit reflexively. More lunging shapes appear. The troopers scatter, firing as they're attacked from all sides. Jill dives for the shrubbery, shouting into the transmitter.
3: We are in trouble.
1: On a Huey morning, Jill's voice stutters over a headset which is pressed against a man's ear.
3: Under attack by... Assailants, shh, sh- unidentified. It sounds
0: like a yeah. live feed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you said it. I know. Static, kissing air, the shot widens as the man lowers his headset. First we see the tattoo on his arm, a grinning skull, which we recognize. Then gradually as we see his face, lean and mean, wearing dark sunglasses. This is Albert Wesker, a hard-ass career officer.
5: Can you
7: get a trace? Lost the beacon just cut out like it was swallowed
1: by something
0: i do believe gentlemen that we're gonna be earning some combat
1: pay there are three other men on board the closest to wesker is barry burton a muscular black man as big as a grizzly with the heart of a teddy bear damn if you don't love a fight
0: hey if i didn't you'd be a dead man pilot call in a nine nine i want raccoon city evac
1: the camera passes out Through one of the helicopter's windows as the chapter soars away, when the shot widens, we see the other Hueys, black, unmarked, keeping formation, three, six, ten of them in the forest in the morning the guns blaze the troopers are under assault by thrashing inhuman shapes growling snapping Jill rolls into a natural trench De Simone is behind her and Williams is crawling just ahead his legs pumping Jill scoots past him and sees those legs aren't moving on their own they've been ripped away from Williams's torso and they're being dragged into the underbrush by some beast concealed the thick brush other bre- other beasts attack De Simone then Russo we only see details. Jill fires her pistol point blank to no avail. Red-rimmed eyes, snarling jaws, drooling teeth descend on her as we cut to Jill's apartment that morning. Chris steps out of Jill's building. Suddenly, Huey swoops down out of the sky. The choppers land where they can. Commandos leap out and begin to cur- cordon off the town. Bullhorns blare. There's never been an accident
7: in the hills nearby. A military
1: aircraft carrying live weapons has crashed. Exterior, it... Chris in Raccoon City, Side Street. Chris runs down a side street into an alley where he's trapped by commandos, both in front and behind. Let's go, Hayseed! Aiming his M-16, you gonna be a good boy? Chris swallows his fury, gritting his teeth. He goes along with the soldiers prodded by rifle barrels out on Main Street where there's chaos an Orwellian sight as citizens find themselves hoarded in the helicopters and trucks from the... The local National Guard post. A sweating man, still in his pajamas, rushes up to the soldiers that are Chris.
2: Look here! I'm the sheriff of this!
1: Step aside!
2: But I'm the sheriff! An ex-army man, like you!
1: There's no immediate danger, but as a precaution, we are evacuating the area. You will be provided shelter until the weapons have been removed from the crash site.
2: There's a worn-out... That's a worn-out scenario. If a plane crashed nearby, don't you think somebody would have heard it go down? Tell us the truth, guys. What's this really about?
1: I said step aside. The soldier lifts his rifle. He's about to club the sheriff when Chris lunges, grabbing his arm. Whoop! Chris kicks the soldier in the balls. The man buckles. Chris bolts. He runs through a ward of back alleyways, arriving at a Jeep Sahara. He jumps in without opening the door, jams the key in the ignition, and roars off.
2: What is this, the Dukes of Hazzard? (laughs)
1: <laughs> in, a, in, a in the morning, still airborne in one of the black helicopters. They have yet to reach the site. Wester barks orders into a radio.
0: Charlie, David, Edward proceed to Raccoon City. Assist the evac. I'm going on target with the Alpha team. All forces stand ready to support.
1: On a farm that morning, Chris rumbles his jeep into a picturesque farm, secluded deep in the forest. We don't recognize it immediately. It was dark when we saw the place last. Jumping out, Chris sees three large shapes lying in the grass of a corral. Rushing over, Chris realizes they're horses. One of them is Lucky, his prize stallion, dead in a pool of blood, with its belly torn open and a huge chunk out of its neck. Oh, no. Lucky. Chris hears a weak, moaning sound. He turns uh, and sees, Lying near a water <laughs> pump, Chris rushes to the man's side and finds him brutally slashed, barely clinging to life. <coughs> they come out of the trees, ready? Don't Don't know what they was. Figured maybe some kind of
5: wolves or something. I never seen them coming.
4: Don't try to talk, Rake.
5: I never left this farm unintended since your daddy first took it over.
4: I know
1: you kept the place running better than me. I just
5: never seen them coming. Ready? Never had a chance to turn a gun on them.
1: There's a thunder in the sky. Chris looks up. Wesker's fleet of black Hueys appears on the horizon. They split up. Seven banking off toward Raccoon City. Chris, uh, where where are they going?
4: There's nothing in there except you ought to remember it real good. I do.
5: From when you was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> the, the old Arkley place. <laughs> I remember them days. I surely do remember them <laughs> old days.
4: <laughs> I'm not going to bullshit you, Rake. You're in a bad time. If there's any way to save you, I'll find it. I swear, you, j- you just hang in, old, old guy. I'll
1: be right back. No, Chris, Chris jumps to its feet and runs into the great room of the farmhouse, rustic, cozy. Chris snatches up a telephone. There's no dial tone. The line is dead. Chris rushes to a gun cabinet and pulls out an old Winchester rifle. He scoops ammo from a drawer, his shoulder bag, and runs back outside, where his eyes catch movement into the corral. Lucky entails Lucky entrails spilling is trying to stand. Oh God, Rick. Oh, Jesus, the poor thing's still alive somehow. Chris shoulders his ammo bag, reaches inside and quickly reloads to Winchester. Stepping forward, he aims carefully. Sorry, old hoss. Blam! A clean shot that a horse's brain drops the animal. It takes Chris a long moment to recover and then he looks into the trees. The helicopters are no longer in sight, but their thunder remains. They haven't landed yet. Chris l- turns and rushes back to Rake's side, only to find he has died. Chris's jaws tighten, but he has no time to mourn. He closes Rake's eyes digs to the grass, pulls up a handful of dirt, stuffs it in the old man's hand, and closes his stiffening fingers over it. The earth keeps us. Conquering his emotions, Chris runs to his Jeep and jumps in. He shifts into a four-wheel drive, ignoring the road, heads straight over to the field to the trees. You guys, you guys, you guys, hold on. I have to pee real quick. Keep going. I'll be right back. (laughs) As the Jeep disappears, the camera cranes down, zooming in on one of the farm dogs, the Spaniel. Not the entire animal, but one of its three separate parts, its front end crushed head, bloody neck, and a single broken paw, which is trying to crawl. Fifty yards away rakes and relaxes. The earth spills out through his fingers as a dead man's eyes pop open. In the Arkley Forest that morning, the first of the black Hueys drops hazardously into a small clearing with barely enough space. Unable to land on the scrub brush, it hovers ten feet off the ground. It erodes clipped trees. Truly, is as Wesker, Barry, and two other Star's commandos jump out, heavily armed. The chopper lifts off, placed by Huey number two. Huey airdrops, two men, two star uniforms. There are 12 commandos in all Alpha team. Wes- Wesker looks up to the Huey's pilot, using his radio to speak to the man.
0: You have to rotate or you run out of fuel, but I want one chopper to remain in the air at all times. <laughs> <laughs> you might need help in a hurry.
1: Barry looks worried, his instincts are asking, we might need help against what? We only see this in his eyes. He says nothing as Wesker leaves the teens or the woods, unaware of Chris, following behind, crouching around trees and bushes. Not, not a trained commando, but comfortable with the land. A natural warrior using ancestral instincts. The car <laughs> the kids. Car- <laughs>
8: Of course,
2: because he's a man.
1: I'm just thinking of that commercial. <laughs> Native well, Native. he is Native oh, American. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that Mohawk. commercial with Native American crying from the 70s. The camera, <laughs> the camera, you mean the, camera,
3: the Italian man who masqueraded
1: as a, as part a Native of, American? Pardon me, you mispronounced that. It's pronounced Italian.
0: Like, <laughs> like Bill Tench and Creepshot, too? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> the camera tracks combat boots as they crunched in a low-lying mist, stopping abruptly when they encounter weapons, ammo belts, bits of shredded uniforms, and human body parts strewn all through the surrounding bush, remnants of what was obviously a feeding frenzy.
8: Holy God! <laughs>
1: Brad Vickers is unharmed. He's Alpha <laughs> Team's computer techie. Not a combat soldier. He's a bit of a coward. Oh, thank George. Chambers yeah. <laughs> is the team's medical officer. She digs an ammonia capsule from her pack and holds it under Vickers' nose. Richard Aiken and Ken- Kenneth Sullivan are buddies. Regular G.I. Joes right out of every war movie. Aiken stares at the Joe. carnage, probably chewing a lot of gum. You
2: ever eat roadkill, Sullivan?
1: Aiken, a guy with a brain your size would be better off dead.
2: Want me to shoot you, Aiken? I'm ready to shoot somebody. I'll pass. Shoot Sullivan.
1: For a Spire, a wiry Willem Dafoe type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think there's a such thing as a Willem Dafoe type that's not Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> type. <laughs>
8: I'll, I'll best,
1: yeah. Finds a bloody beret and brings it to Wester. There's an ID tag on the brim.
0: Valentine. Radio Washington. Bravo team, found on site. No survivors.
1: In the bushes, Chris overhears, not wanting to believe. He sees Wesker angrily pitch Jill's beret into the bush. We're going in. Watch your backs. Wesker advances his troops. When the coast is clear, Chris rushes in, picks up the beret, and sees the name tag for himself. Valentine. One of the Hueys dips in. Chris looks up. The sight of the war machine lifts him from defeat to rage. His eyes are soft. For the last time, he tucks Jill's beret into this pack. When he looks up again, those eyes have become newly predatory. He ducks out of sight and as the helicopter swings lower. Something dark which is moving towards them. It pokes its head out. A wolf. Rake was right. Chris readies his Winchester as the animal stalks forward. It's not a wolf. It's a dog. Modeled. It's fresh... Flesh gray, covered with rotting lesions, and it has the bleeding bullet holes in its belly, chest, and neck.
8: <laughs>
1: it leaps at Chris and fires. <laughs> Clam!
0: Who fired?
4: Who fired?
1: Before anyone can answer, the team is attacked by more dogs, which burst out of the surrounding woods. Dobermans, shepherds, even fucking corgis. But something is <laughs> dead, <with your trust laughs> <on> the <ball, laughs> And their <laughs> flesh decaying. Automatics piss stream. <laughs> Automatics piss streams of lead. Hot rounds tear through the animals. Many of the slugs accidentally blowing out, a bra- out blowing out brains of his bullets, of his targets, one of the dog's heads. The commandos are backed up against the iron gates we saw earlier. The Arkley Mansion stands beyond.
2: Let's get inside! No! Oh, I
0: want them all
1: dead! You hear me? Stand fast. Until they are all Dead! The dogs don't stand a chance. Alpha Team's firepower is overwhelming, but there is a human casualty. Joseph Frost trips and falls. One of the dogs pounces on him, chewing on his heart through his back. Wesker steps in, rilling the dead man and the dog with 40 rounds from his M16. And the next instant, another dog leaps at Wesker from behind. He hears it snarl too late. He dives pew, pew, into the grass. Too late. The dog's about to land on him when it's blasted out of midair by Barry.
5: Even Stephen's boss. You see my ass in the desert. I saved yours in Pennsylvania.
1: I don't believe
0: in being even Steven with anybody.
8: Oh, A fuck man you. saves
0: my ass <laughs> and his back. Before this day is over, I'll pay you back in ass, Barry. You
8: <laughs> the stupid thing. Okay, hasn't been watch even Stevens.
2: <laughs> don't ask, don't tell was still in effect in '98. <laughs>
1: Wesker checks his equipment belt. Something is missing. He looks to where he rolled in the grass using a flashlight. He finds a small electronic unit of the size of a cell phone, but it's not a cell phone. Whatever it is. (laughs) Wesker. Wesker clips it onto his belt from the brush. Chris sees all this. The guns have gone silent. The attack seems to be over. Chris moves stealthily to the body of the animal that he shot. It's wearing a collar which reads Spike, number 26. Alongside the ID, there's a corporate-looking logo, the symbol of an umbrella. (laughs) Another dog is advancing on Chris. He aims his (laughs) Winchester. The magazine is empty. No time to reload. The dog is on him. Chris scrambles away. The dog bounds after him. Chris drops to the ground. Did he trip? No. He yeah. pushed the tree root, which is false. He, it swings open and he dives in, pulling the root shut over him. The dog arrives an instant later and lets out an angry howl. ah And is blown away by Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. neither saw Chris nor, went, nor where he went. The forest goes dead quiet, too quiet. There's even the chirping of morning birds. Wesker is slapped startlingly on the back by Barry.
5: Look here, man. I'll follow you into any kind of enemy fire, but these things aren't firing at us. They want us for fucking breakfast! When are you gonna tell us what the hell is going on here?
0: When you need to know, just do your job, soldier. That's what I'm doing. My job.
1: Wesker pulls a chain from under his shirt and holds a card the size of a a visa, like the one Jill found in her secret envelope. Only Wesker's isn't blue, it's green. Stepping away from Barry, he slides the card through a slot in the iron gate frame. (laughs) <laughs> the gay- gate swing open with a russies at the mansion's front door a hand carved model of the solid oak Wesker finds another hidden slot and swipes his card the giant door creaks open inside the place looks like a haunted house a glorious ruin once spectacular now mysterious and threatening the chandeliers and furniture are covered with sheets and that ripple breezes <laughs> from a thousand faults in the old walls
3: old they probably don't have cable
7: they probably don't have radio or wi-fi
2: who's they whose place is this
0: guy named arkley bootlegger built this old fortress during the prohibition he figured nobody would ever find him out here in the backwoods nobody did till he died feds have had it ever since place has been here for 80 years derelict a safe
5: house A safe house for who? For what?
0: There's a
8: secret installation. (laughs) Oh.
0: (laughs) A network of laboratories.
8: What kind of laboratories?
0: Well, they didn't issue us gas masks, so I figure it's okay to breathe because science. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it.
2: Why send in a strike force?
7: Yeah, what are we supposed to do? polish the silver
0: there's a man downstairs a top priority man it's our job to bring him out hopefully there are others alive as well we'll rescue them too if we can but dr john marcus he comes out alive at any that's a very cute kitty in all (laughs) costs
1: in the mansion corridor that morning, the windows are sealed over. No sunshine can enter. From this point on, there will be no indication of time except as shown on clocks. A sense of dread takes a hold of us. Dark shadows, lurched feet, scrape sluggishly. Not combat boots, but in Nikes. Loafers, Dr. Doc Martens. Oh, Dr. Martens. Past an accordion <laughs> gate, of promoter <laughs> a motor hums. Behind the mm. gate, old-fashioned service elevator rises, but stops just below floor level. Eyes peer out, waiting for the shuffling feet to pass. Then the car rises the rest of the way, revealing its occupant. Jill Valentine! She's alive! She deactivates the elevator Uh... by pulling her blue access card out of an incongruously modern respect... It's a lot of words. Checking to be (laughs) sure that she's... She slides the accordion gate aside and steps (laughs) out of the door. With a ghostly moon! Something lunges at her from behind the shadows. It's a man! Ooh! In a lab coat, his skin is rotting, his teeth snapping like the dogs. He tries to bite Jill, not merely to do injury. He seems hungry. Um. Jill leaps aside, lifting her pistol and firing once, twice, three times a lady. The man is <laughs> <ain't> shot, <laughs> but he keeps coming. Finally, Jill shoots him in the head and he falls. Wesker troops hear the gunshots. There are three doors nearby. Wesker selects one of them. N- Seems to lead to the source of the gunshots. Using a card, he unlocks it.
0: Three men stay here. Chambers.
1: I'm not a
2: man.
0: Rodriguez.
2: I'm better than a man.
0: What a man! What a man! What a man! What a mighty good man! All right, say it again now. <laughs> okay,
3: All right. respect the script. All
0: right, All right. You come with us. Respect Aiken. the script. There it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, you come with us. Aiken Sullivan. Stick here with Chambers.
2: Why us?
7: I don't know. Why me? You? I guess the CEO figures you're as worthless as a dame, Aiken. Sorry, ma'am. I, I I, didn't mean... I, I meant a-
1: Aiken, not you.
2: Relax, I get it.
1: In the mansion library, Wesker leads his troop into an enormous cobweb library lined with bookshelves, but no books. Wesker pulls out something that looks like a Game Boy. He types out a keypad, and a map appears.
5: That thing tells you where to go?
0: One man stays here. Ridley, you're it. Shoot to kill. Just make sure it's not one of us. The rest of you, this way.
1: Wesker leads his squad through one of the doorways. Ridley, a young rookie, remains. In the underground taverns, Chris reaches the end of the earthen tunnel. There are signs that children once played here toy soldiers, graffiti. Chris finds his nickname, Christopher Reddy, etched in hardened mud.
2: How is that a nickname? <laughs>
1: Who plays that toy soldier? <laughs> After a moment of <laughs> reflection, he moves on into a small, sheet rock chamber. Chris rushes to it. I think it's a racist <laughs> with name. Oh, oh. Chris rushes to. Chris, Christopher rushes to a door that looks like it's been there since the beginning of time. As soon as he touches a knob, an alarm sounds.
8: <laughs> wow. that's a fucking Again. weird alarm Again. <laughs> <laughs> ridley is standing
1: guard she hears the alarm he hears christopher jiggling the knob <laughs> but he sees no door the walls around him seem to be solid slabs in the entry chamber
6: ryan can you take ridley i forgot sure. to sign it sure no problem uh, who, who who's there
1: Chris doesn't hear the trooper. Behind him, a decomposed hand pokes out of a drainage ditch beneath the carpet. Chris is unaware of the danger. He hurls himself against the door. The thing that climbs out of the ditch was once a man. I was once a man, but it's long dead. It's a zombie as it pulls itself up. Its eyeglass strikes the eye- side of the ditch. They fall, clattering, the rim scraping the zombie's cheek, which peels away from onion skin. Chris hears a noise, turns and sees Sharp. the dead man. Reaching out hungrily, Chris is trapped. He aims his Winchester. He forgot. It's empty. The dead man crawls toward him as he tries to jam a bullet into his rifle. The zombie swats at him, catches the beret, looks at it, sniffs it. The bullet pops out of Chris's nervous finger. He tries to load another. In the... mansion kitchen ridley spots a blue access slot in the wall he levels his automatic and chews the thing up with a short burst and a panel swings open chris dives out with the zombie inches behind him and ridley fires off another burst of rounds straight bullets pierce the zombie's head it drops back into the chamber with ridley never knowing why ridley and the- chris look at each other asking rapid fire questions none of them answer. who are you who are you
6: what the hell is stars how'd you get in here who seals the door who knew the? Who, ah, who knew there a door? What? <laughs>
8: what <is that? laughs> it was the first strike. <laughs> you had Who it. knew there a door? <laughs>
6: okay.
1: Wham! Another zombie appears suddenly behind Ridley, biting out of the muscle between his shoulder and his neck. The trooper stands stunned for a moment. Who? Who? Then he drops the zombie in a uniform. Once the security guard gazes duly at Chris, a wet sound comes from inside its gullet as it calmly chews on Ridley's flesh. Oh. Swallowing it, reaches out. Chris grabs its arms, flings it into the chamber, then fires his Winchester. Once putting a hole in the thing's head, Chris slams the door. In the mansion dining room, shaped in a hearse-sized dining room with draped furniture, Wesker and the other troopers have heard the new gunfire.
6: Where did that come from? Back where we just were. Shit, man. We're chasing our tails.
1: Wesker and his team burst into the corridor with an old-fashioned elevator. Flashlights find the body of the zombie that was shot by Jill. Bullet holes all over its body.
6: Damn, some bitch took a lot of lead. That's
5: not what killed him. Blood's still running. Wounds are fresh. But look at his skin. This guy's been dead for
1: a couple of days.
2: He was dead before he was shot?
1: In the mansion kitchen, Chris checks Ridley at pulse. His own rustling movements prevent him from hearing that soft, crackling sound. The kitchen is lined with 50-year-old ivy-patterned wallpaper. They print The printed vines seem to be moving. Chris doesn't even notice the vines begin to wiggle furiously and rip through the paper. They're real, sprouts from some sort of exotic plant that have climbed up the walls with intelligence. They seem aware of Chris's presence and same with uh, M. Night Shyamalan.
8: Ridley! <laughs> <laughs>
4: Who? Who who are you? I'm one of the good guys, okay? I'm just trying to...
8: Sullivan! Aiken! Shit.
1: Chris, familiar with the room, opens a small door in the wall, barely man-sized and almost invisible because it's covered in matching wallpaper. Chris dies in. Aiken and Sullivan pop up behind Rebecca, having barely caught a glimpse of Chris.
7: Who's that? Get him! What are they?
1: Sullivan points at the vines, which are swirling, groping as if alive, making their way toward Ridley's body. In the mansion chute, in the laundry chute, propping itself up against the sides, Chris descends down, as, did, as he did as a child, and comes out onto a dropped ceiling. Newly installed, iron frames support air filtration systems and other heavy machinery. Somebody did some major remodeling. In the kitchen, the vines continue to advance.
8: We gotta him go out. The troopers oh, rush
1: to retrieve Ridley's body. The vines hover around them, occasionally darting, then pulling back as if they were timid animals, hungry but afraid of a new food dish.
3: What? Smart fucking plants?
1: No
7: big deal. I've seen the ruins. Most plants are smarter than you, Aiken.
1: <laughs> In the mansion okay. corridor, the others are still puzzling over the downed zombies.
6: Why would anyone shoot a dead man?
2: Let me guess. Maybe because he was walking around?
5: headshot we were spraying those dogs outside but think about it were any of them brought down without
1: a headshot wesker has been exploring the corridor stopping in front of the elevator he shines his light into the car we we expect someone or something to be lurking inside an attack comes from the opposite direction a figure bursts out of the shadows behind wesker another zombie no it's jill in a rage she holds her pistol to wesker's head
3: i lost three men you killed them wesker You did, and I did, because I didn't know what to expect because you didn't tell me.
0: Tell you what?
3: Anything. I wasn't told anything.
0: Put down the gun. Instead, Jill clicks
1: the hammer back. Put down the gun.
3: Not until-
1: Release! That's an order, soldier! Jill blinks. Slowly and reluctantly, she lowers her gun. How did you get in here?
3: How you doing, Valentine? Good to see ya! Glad you're still alive! Same here, Colonel. I'm.
0: How did you get in here?
3: The same way those fucking dogs got out through their pens. I knocked them off.
1: Good thinking. A voice interrupts from the end of the corridor. Man down. <laughs> Ladies first. Fuck you. The troopers trickle into the kitchen to find Rebecca kneeling over Ridley's corpse.
2: Maybe then they're maybe they're in the house. More of them dogs.
8: The animal is too small. It almost looks as if it was done by a a human. Uh... Yes, but what kind of human would do something like this?
3: Not a vegetarian, that's for sure.
7: It can get you better off.
8: There was a guy, not part of the team, and, and there was some kind of plant that that seemed alive.
2: Give me a fucking break. No
3: shit. It disappeared right into the wall.
8: I
0: guess it's time to spill it. I don't know much more than I already told you, but I'll tell you the rest now. The labs here are, were, working on special apps for bioengineered materials.
2: Speak English, cool. Ombre.
0: Marcus had been experimenting with an artificial man-made virus coded the T-virus. Financing came from a private corporation. You may have heard the name Umbrella.
3: They're multinational.
5: Huge.
0: So huge that they have connections in high places. That's why we're
5: here. This virus. It jumped, right?
6: Shit. We're all dead. We got the bug, we're all dead! Not airborne. It was spread in the
0: water supply. (laughs) lab animals and the researchers themselves passed it on by.
3: By biting.
5: Exactly. Okay, so you catch this virus and what? You, you have die. to stay home for two months. Yes, <laughs>
0: right. pretty much with no <laughs> stimulus check. Everybody, stays <laughs> stay six feet apart. You die.
7: My the human, Umbrella Corp. <laughs>
8: Damn.
0: Uh, call this number.
8: <laughs> you die,
0: but not for long. The chemical revives the brain and.
2: You stand back up and chew on the first guy you see.
6: Christ. This is like Night of the Living Dead.
1: Hey, Why in the no. name of Jesus
5: would anybody hey. want to mess with that shit
1: that we does that, that shit?
8: Victory, I, we, I was about
1: to say, we need the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, meme for when uh, he says Night of the Living Dead in this script. <laughs> <laughs>
7: the, first Walking Dead, the Inception walk meme?
8: Yeah. Oh.
0: Victory friend. Civilization has come a long way, but we still have war. Imagine a soldier who can't die. Imagine all the people. That was the concept.
3: But the virus jumped.
0: Hopefully if we got all the dogs, we've contained it. So who let the dogs out?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I I did, I told you, I went through the pens. (laughs) Hopefully, Jesus, why didn't you tell us?
0: By telling you now, I'm putting your lives in jeopardy. Nobody has this information, except a few high and mighties. Me, and now you. We have to get Marcus out of here. He developed this thing. He's the only one who understands it.
7: I don't know. This all sounds pretty shaky to me.
1: With a lightning move, Wesker draws his pistol and, blam, fires at Rebecca. She flinches. The bullet flies past her and shatters the skull of Ridley. The dead trooper, who, having stood up, was about to attack... Rebecca from behind. Ridley drops dead again.
2: Guess that proves it. Headshot knocks him down.
8: That man was was dead! I should have known! That man was dead!
1: Mickey Vickers reaches into Rebecca's bag, pulls out an ammonia capsule, cracks it, and holds it under her nose.
6: Hope you have a lot of these.
1: In a... Chris crawls through the drop ceiling in a crawl space into the uprising light from one of the vents. He looks down through the grid work and sees the same laboratory that was behind Marcus in the opening video. No longer pristine, it's wrecked, torn apart. Files are scattered everywhere along with, a, with smashed fragments of furniture and computer hardware. Cages that line the walls are filled with lab animals making nervous chatter. Chris watches a monkey sip water from a water dish. Like the other animals, its skin is rotting. Chris is about to move on when his eye catches movement outside the cages. There's a man in a lab coat, sitting at a desk and writing on a notepad. Hey. Hey.
8: Hey. 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 Hey, go, hey. Hey, the man
1: turns his head slowly to look up toward the place. There's nothing left of his face. Raw tissue seeps odd-colored fluids. A single eyeball is nestled tenuously into the ooze. Something like a mouth opens and groans. The lab door bursts open. Wesker and Alpha team stream into the lab. The thing with the destroyed face turns towards the invaders, stands and shuffles toward them. Without hesitation, Wesker, on point, fires a quick burst into the things' brain. It drops like a sack. The lab animals shriek. The team flies in without noticing another zombie crawling across the floor heading directly for Spire. Head's up. He punches out at a grate of the barrels of his rifle and blam, blam punches a surefire hole in the zombie's head. Brad Vickers, his nerves badly frayed, thinks his team is being attacked. He sprays the ceiling with his automatic. <laughs> Chris ducks and rolls, okay. narrowly escaping the initial barrage, <laughs> but bullets keep coming. He finds himself on top of an enormous checkerboard of vents and plexiglass panels. It cracks, dropping away. Chris is plunged into water. He's in a huge aquarium that's built into one of the laboratory's walls, and he's not alone. There are six sharks in a tank. Zombie sharks.
8: <laughs> no fucking way! Oh, oh, man! Zombie sharks!
1: <laughs> the we were denied zombie <laughs> sharks! But his jaws catch only a clump of swirling hair. Chris kicks with his feet. Remaining upright and fires his wet Winchester. The bullet wimps out, restrained by the water. It penetrates the shark, but barely. Chris Whoa. gets an idea. He kicks forward. He plants the barrel of the Winchester directly against the aquarium. Glass only finds himself directly aiming at Jill, who is aiming back at him with her N16. They're both stunned. They stare at each other for a moment. As if to say, we need a bigger boat, like gunfire. Still, <laughs> <filling> enough <up, laughs> shark circles in for an attack. Chris swings the Winchester away from Jill and fires underwater. The aquarium's glass cracks but holds.
3: Hang on,
7: we're gonna get wet.
1: Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Here we're laughs> <fires before laughs> nice. The floor cracks, but the glass Winchester is resistant. Could
7: not p- penetrate the cart, <laughs> and then they all got
1: wet. Chris <laughs> <laughs> um... out. The water (laughs) surges into the lamp, knocking Wester and some of the squad down. They stand up again, only to find themselves (sighs) knee high in a dark pool with shark fins slicing the surface. Everybody opens fire. The dead fish keep coming. Where the fuck is a shark's brain? In its head. I swear, Aiken, you'd be better off dead. In a bizarre frenzy, the sharks kick their tails, snapping at the scent of warm flesh. The troopers hampered by the water splash around wildly, many of them nearly getting bitten. The air above thickens with a fog of graphite from ten splitting automatics. The troopers pick them off. One by one, the immediate threat passes, but as the water drains away, the troopers become aware of Klaxon like sound, another alarm. Boom, boom, that was a boom.
0: I'm not the drunkest tonight. Nice, very nice, Valentine. <laughs> you set off a containment breach.
3: It must have been the water. God, the water! Did you swallow any?
0: I
7: did. Bunch of us. Bunch of us did, man.
0: Separate systems, salt water, no germs. That does not seem like accurate. But it means we can go in deeper. But we can't get out. Not with my key card.
2: So, we live here now. (laughs) Huh? Landlords. Shit hills. Kicked my family out of six apartments. I got used to saying, so
1: we live here now.
0: There are override exits, but I can't find them without this.
1: Wesker flings his Game Boy angrily against (laughs) the wall like a petulant child. (laughs) I didn't get my Pikachu! <laughs> well, that was a smart move. <laughs> you are
4: nobody. Just a local guy who gets pissed off when he finds his farm animals and his father's oldest friend dead and the only woman he ever cared about turns out to be a goddamn metalhead.
7: Charlotte Metal?
4: Yeah, seriously.
0: Seriously, Chris. You. Yeah,
8: Chris. Who is his asshole gosh? anyway?
0: What's yeah, that's a good <laughs> question there, Rodriguez Valentine. Who is this fucking asshole? <laughs>
3: His name is Chris Redfield. He was a part of my cover, sir. Cover? This is not the time to mouth off, Chris. You're no. E-burn.
4: No. Why didn't you let me in on this?
3: Why did you have to come after me? How did you get in here anyway?
4: We used to play here uh, when this was a fucking laundry room. And what makes you think I came after you? Whoa! We're Look here. here.
1: Barry is stooped over a faceless zombie that Wesker shot. He rips an ID-, ID badge from the corpse's coat. He tosses it to Wesker, who reads the ID. Dr. Martin. No, Dr. J. Marcus.
5: Is this the pile of shit we're supposed to bring out of here?
6: <sighs> it once was. Hey, I got something here.
1: Brad has been quietly working at one of the lab's computers. Barry rushes over and looks at the monitor screen. A map. Same as on your gizmo. Exits marked
5: blue and green.
0: The greens are overrides. Brad, can you print this out?
6: I could try. Uh, we're on level A. We have to get down to level D. Hold on. Marcus is dead.
5: If this mission was about bringing him out, we're out
6: of here, right?
0: I wish you were, but no. We have a potential outbreak here. We might be the only ones who can stop it. Stop it? How? Uh, there's an antidote. That's the ticket. Oh, (laughs) antidote. Sure.
3: Seems plausible. 18 months later.
0: (laughs) It'll miraculously go away one day, just like that. We can't bring Marcus out, but we can bring out the serum. Maybe someone can analyze it and figure out how to beat the virus.
1: Jill looks at Chris, catches him weighing his options
3: not simple
4: not complicated either we have to decide what's right and what's wrong
3: I forgot you're never confused so what's right mohawk and Ooh. what's wrong
6: shit mm. oh. there, are, there are no green exits on this level uh, why, why would that be
4: they don't want anybody up here to go snooping upstairs
0: or down pretty good guess must have been in the military, son.
4: Native American. Exempted.
0: Fuck.
6: There's no way out.
1: Yes, there is. Chris points at the broken grid above the shattered aquarium.
0: Not a bad idea. Vickers, see if you can call up service charts, schematics.
6: Uh, Got it. Uh, Ceiling grids, ladders, the whole infrastructure. Print it.
0: Print all of it. Rebecca
1: steps over to Brad. She points at his leg. Seated at the computer, his trousers hiked. Blood can be seen on his sock just above his boot.
6: What's that from? Uh, I snagged it. On the desk. When we were scrambling.
5: Lying motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Let
6: me look at it. No, it's just a scratch.
1: Stickers
6: is one of those guys who wants a haircut, doesn't he? <laughs> hey, I get my haircut. Thank you very much.
1: Chris watches Wesker as he studies the printed charts.
4: There's a uh, part of an old laundry chute. It might not show on there, but it runs up to the kitchen.
0: I'm not going up. I'm going down. I like to let Ooh. you guys... Yeah. Nice. Hey. Spicy. <laughs> I know. I got chills. I, know. I, like... <laughs> I like to let you guys off the hook, but I can't. I need backup. You're coming with me. Any objections? Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even breathing heavy yet.
8: <laughs>
6: Think about baseball, Barry. Think about baseball. Uh, how much are you going to pay your gigolo per orgasm here?
8: <laughs> oh
2: seller's market. That's not how it works. You pay the... No, Never
6: mind. <laughs> wow,
8: you.
2: I can't believe Romero wrote all this. <laughs>
8: you know Romero wrote that? Oh, hey. Crazy. No objections. We'll back you up. <laughs> all
3: right, where the hell are we? Uh, uh, um, we're at...
4: Scare
1: up. Respect the script, motherfuckers. 30- I, think we're at- we're at- I think we're at deal. Chris is disappointed.
2: <laughs> Troopers exchange glances. and bad jokes. There we go. No
3: objections. We'll back
4: you up. He said people wind you up and you do whatever they want.
0: Stay out of this, son. You're the only one here who does have a choice in this. There's no place to lock you up. I can't let you go. You're a security risk. I could shoot you. Legally. But your lady friend here would probably get all over my ass. So I'm afraid you're coming with us, whether you like it or not. Jill, he's your responsibility. See that he doesn't make any trouble. You up to the
4: challenge?
3: Try me.
0: Already have.
1: In the crawlspace, one by one, the members of Alpha <laughs> Team wiggle up into the crawlspace above the ceiling. Chris climbs up behind Jill. Other troopers are already away, following Wesker, who guides them with the help of his chart. Jill starts after them, and Chris grabs her arm. Jill, I- I'm sorry. I'm just angry. When I thought you were
4: gone, I- then when I saw you alive, I realized that-
3: That you were still fascinated.
1: Well, stop, stop. He pulls her into an embrace. She goes willingly. Come with me. We can get out of here.
3: I want to. I want nothing more. But I can't. When I'm in this uniform, I'm more than just me. Try to understand there's no I in team, Chris.
4: There's no I in dead. There are cliches
3: in this script.
4: (laughs) (laughs) There there is no no I I in dead either. I (laughs) I I should order you to come with me. You'd never refuse an order.
3: You go. You're not part of this.
4: I'm
5: part of it as long as you are. This is very uncomfortable.
2: Is
1: this a kissing book? <laughs> Barry, having having overheard, is halfway up to the grate.
5: For me too, brother. I mean, this iron grate on my stomach is very uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> Chris and Jill help Barry into the crawl space. Or rather, Chris and Jill help that whiny little bitch Barry up into the ground. Off. They, start up off, they start off after the troop, and the camera tracks them.
5: This is getting old, man, I swear. I've been in this army 18 fucking years. Yeah. 18 years? Yep, two away from the big retie.
3: Death job, right? Nobody lasts that long if they've seen action.
5: I've seen action in Grenada, Desert Storm. Would have lost it all there if my buddy didn't bring in a team against orders to pull my ass out. Buddy named Wesker.
0: Do you have a girlfriend in Canada, too?
5: (laughs) (laughs) You've been with this asshole since... Since before that. We were kids together. Macon, Georgia. He's the only asshole some of the time.
1: Up ahead, Wesker reaches a service ladder. He waves his troop on, and they start to climb down.
6: Who knows what we'll find down there?
3: Think
1: positive.
3: Listen, the farther down we go, the worse it's going to get. So till we hit bottom, we're in good shape, relatively speaking.
1: A distant but distinct sound that sounds like the MGM lion.
6: What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is, it can't get us. We're in the ceiling.
1: Maybe it's, like, really tall. Aiken. (laughs) The lead troopers reach into another section of the ceiling, clustering around a vent. They look down into the B-level lab, more streamlined, more high-tech than the one upstairs. There are large computers linked by metal-shielded conduits to Jackson walls.
0: Mainframe. Buy us some data we could use. Fox, Marini, Vickers,
8: down.
1: Wesker kicks out the vent. He jumps first through the opening down into the lab, and Chris watches from behind. The man has balls, I'll say that. Wesker grabs a desk and pushes it under the vent. Marini climbs down, followed by Fox. Brad is last.
0: Hustle it, Viskers. You're the guy we need to cut in the network. Watch these entrances, guys.
1: Fox and Marini take up posts. Brad lowers himself gingerly. He drops into the last two feet onto the desk, landing on his bloody leg. Ah shit! He topples, falling to the floor, but pops up instantly.
6: I'm alright. I'm alright. Another distant
1: snarl.
0: Old tight. It doesn't sound like it's on this level. Shit, I'm locked out. Any clues for a password? Try 1234. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: password on my luggage. <laughs>
0: try password. Try, umbra- try umbrella. Try umbrella. Try uh, umbrella.
1: Uh, where the... Uh, where... where, where,
0: where? <laughs> uh, Brad types rapidly, flubs, types again.
6: Uh, nothing. Wait, I, I'm into- No, no data. Ugh. Just some kind of video feed. Uh, time-coded yesterday. It's a playback. Holy shit!
1: We hear it before we see it, the sound of absolute panic, people shouting, screaming, thuds and crashes, glass breaking, then Ada Wong.
2: Please, please, if anyone is receiving the situation's completely out of control
8: wham
1: wham the woman is pushed out above by a man who is trying to protect her from something that blurbs past the lens like a pendulum like the pot in the pendulum from above the next
8: picture
1: the lens is coated with blood and it is down we see a partial image of the same man his head is out of frame at the top of the screen the thing above must have a hold on it because the man is dangling his arms twitching his back has three gouges in it, long and so deep they might have been made by a piece of heavy machinery. We only see this for an instant before the man is lifted straight up with amazing speed. Wesker clicks off the monitor. The other men instinctively look up above their heads.
3: Maybe the ceiling's not such a safe place after all, sir.
1: Crash! The door behind Fox bursts open. Before he has time to react, a zombie is on him, biting his cheek. Next, the two figures fall to the floor, grappling. Wesker can't get a clean shot.
8: Scram!
1: Scram! The is the first <laughs> to reach the desk, but he helps the whipping up and get him. Two more zombies lurch in through the open doorway. Wesker shoots them, but he sees more. can't tell how shambling toward the open doorway from the darkness and beyond. Brad is yanked up into the ceiling by Sullivan and Aiken. Chris leans out of the opening, reaching for Marini. Wesker kicks the mauling zombie in the head. It takes three boots to attract the thing's attention. When it piles up at him, Wesker blows out its skull. Chris pulls Marini to safety. Barry leans down through the opening. Hold OFF, BOSS! The zombies are heading for Wesker. There are three of them. Barry shoots at the one in the front. Misses. His second shot hits the thing's brain. Wesker tries to hoist Fox, this time rolls over on his own. He has drawn his pistol. Before Wesker can stop him, he eats the barrel and blows out the back of his head. One zombie is dangerously close. Barry fires two more rounds. No headshot. The zombie staggers and, through not, though not dead, falls directly towards Wesker. The colonel rolls on his back, kicking himself away, managing to get clear. He uses his own pistol to blast the zombie. He scrambles to his feet, darts towards the desk, and jumps up. The third zombie grabs his leg from above. Barry risks a dangerous shot. Blam! Wester hears the bullet whizz past his head like a mosquito. The zombie is hit in the skull. It drops. There are more of them coming out of the darkness, and Barry takes a hold of Wesker, and with a single strong arm, pulls him up into a crawl space slab, level B.
0: That's two I owe you.
5: One. We were all even Stephen.
0: Two. Remember, even Steven? not in my vocabulary. Let's move.
1: It's not that bad of a show. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Wesker takes off. Spire, Rodriguez, Aiken, and Sullivan are quick to follow. The others lag behind. Those things could get up here. We can't let that happen. This is our way out. Chris swings his leg through the grate and jumps down. In the lab, on the desk, he boots down one of the zombies away and tries to leap over the others. One of them catches his foot midair. Chris isn't hurt, but he topples to the floor, sprawling, losing his winchester. The zombies have him cornered. He crawls toward his rifle, reaches it, pumps a shell into the firing chamber, aims at the closest of the walking dead, which was once a young man, a simple laborer wearing overalls with a name tag that says Joe the Plumber. (laughs) Crusoe, can you hear me? The zombie lumbers forward hungrily. Caruso, can you hear me? Chris has come late to the realization that these things were once human. Now he comes into the realization that they are no they're human no longer. The zombie grabs the barrel of the Winchester, pushing it aside. Chris can't bring it ba- bring it back to bear on the monster's head. He blasts around through the thing's belly. It has no effect. The zombie reaches for Chris's throat, starts to lean in to bite him. Bam! The thing's skull explodes. Uh, uh, Jill Has jumped down on the desk. She fires another accurate pistol round. The second zombie falls. Thank you.
3: Anytime. How do we get back up?
1: Shit, if you didn't have a plan, you shouldn't have jumped down here.
3: We have a real problem here, Chris.
1: Jill nods toward the open doorway. There are more stuttering figures approaching out of the dark. How big is this place? How many people were down here? How?
3: How do we get up?
1: startling sound a dark shape swings down from above and grabs Jill is the thing we saw in the video no it's Barry <laughs> oh, what? Barry! his mighty arms lift Jill She's caught by Barry's a dark own. shape Pulled
7: no. up oh. <laughs> oh, oh lord George <laughs> <That's> <laughs> even worse, considering George is actually really good at this kind of stuff so why would he write that well maybe it was the other guy <laughs>
5: Yeah, it's the <laughs> other guy. Let's go with that.
1: He grabs the edge of the grate and pulls himself up. Reaches back down through the opening. Below, Barry squats and makes a mighty leap with his muscular legs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Chris grabs his big, bulging arms and his ear...
7: This would be Winston Duke if this was me now.
1: Big. Heavy. Joe <laughs> he grabs on and throws. Thank you. <laughs> but one of the zombies mm-hmm. it grabs his kicking legs its teeth snap and catch the commandos lift very clear but the zombie ends up with a chunk of something in his mouth <laughs> I, I, is, I think Jill's
5: taking a drink first
8: <laughs> it
3: got you
5: no skin broken I'm lying but I'm alright
8: <laughs>
1: uh, we owe you to a pair of pants they crawl away the zombies below reach up their fingers clutching at the ceiling but with the desk gone there's no way they can get up Dissolved to a storage area the commandos has climbed down a steel access ladder into a storage room stacked with crates and cartons there's only one door the place seems secure
6: stand down five minutes uh, I'm through Wesker me too, man. This ain't nothing I signed on for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's it's, it's right there, you know?
0: Hey. I love that. So. That's the highlight.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you want to
0: wait here? Fine.
6: Wait here? No. We're getting out. You can't. Not without this access card. Fuck you. And your fancy doors and your green key. The choppers have rockets. They can blow out a wall if you if they have to. I'm calling them in.
1: Fire pulls out his radio and starts to punch a code.
0: See a wall blow? Blow them all for you.
8: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Hey>. oh. <laughs>
1: Wesker reaches down to the electronic that he lost and retrieved in the woods. He pulls a long wire out of it with a small sensor at the end.
0: I'll put a crater in this forest It takes a raccoon city and everything else for 20 miles with this.
1: He jams his little sensor into his ear and pushes a button on the belt unit. Small red lights blink.
0: It's a radio detonator. Sets off explosives that are buried beneath us somewhere. The ultimate containment measure incinerate the place. Has a dead man mechanism. Reads my pulse. My heart stops and kaboom.
2: You didn't tell us this sooner?
0: No, of course not. You wouldn't follow me if that was the case.
7: It's a spot soft Saw three. Where the hell are we? You lunatic. Shit. Oh, shit. Um, let's
0: see.
8: Uh,
4: you lunatic. That damn thing can slip out of ear by accident.
0: That's right. It's your job, all of your jobs, to see that it doesn't, and to see that my heart doesn't skip any beats. Give me the radio, soldier.
1: Spire hesitates. Wesker explodes for the first time. Give me the fucking radio or we all go up. Some bitch might do it, Spire.
0: I'll be obliged to do it. If I don't get that antidote.
8: Yeah,
0: antidote. That's the ticket. I'll have to burn (laughs) this place out. Valentine.
1: Jill Jill steps over to Spire and takes the radio from him. What are you doing? This guy's clunky. He just friend to blow us all up, for Christ's sakes.
3: That's what I'm trying to prevent.
1: In the earthly forest, in the air. whap wap, 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 One Huey is in the air. The camera moves in on a window. LaGuardia is flying. It's the radio man beside him.
7: <laughs> How many digits did you receive?
6: Six. The beginning of an air support co- code, but it just went dead on me.
7: Call stars in Washington. I want.
6: Hold it. It's Wesker. Yes, sir. We got the signal, sir. He says it was a mistake.
7: Call Washington anyway. I want the authority to take action if necessary.
1: In the office, the bring the hand with the ostentatious ring snatches Mm. a red telephone receiver out of a desk drawer.
2: Sorry. If he was in real trouble, we'd have lost half of Pennsylvania by now.
1: As the hand flicks Ash, we see a sheet of paper on the desk from a letterhead that bears an umbrella logo.
6: No authorization.
1: In the Arkley Forest, in the air that day, in the Huey, the radio man clicks off an incoming call.
6: No independent action.
1: Damn, I feel so fucking helpless. The Huey flies over the mansion, which, from the air, looks as stable as the Rock of Gibraltar. In a storage area, Whisker has come down off his rampage. He looks exhausted. He looks staunchly heroic as he speaks.
0: Hey, guys, really quick. Jerry had to jump off for a family emergency. Um, oh. Can someone pick up Barry? Yes. I'll
1: take it. got it?
0: I got, it. Who's got Who's got Barry? Diana. Awesome. Thanks, Diana. You guys were handpicked. A special unit. Most of you have been sitting on your asses, drawing paychecks for more than two years. Well, it's time to repay those government loans.
1: Bullshit. I'm not. Wesker lifts his automatic. spire flinches. The action wasn't meant as a threat. Wesker is just checking his ammo.
0: Hit your empties. Put all your loaded clips of the crate there. I mount. Then I want rounds divvied up evenly. Alright, we're on... Level C.
3: Lingerie? Lotions?
0: Damn it, no more jokes. We have men dead upstairs. This hellhole full of people who died because of this stinking bug. 42. That's all we have?
3: It's so the life expecting a war spire.
4: everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we weren't expecting a war, Spire. I'll take three. Three to your boyfriend.
4: I don't need them. Got my own loads.
8: Oh.
0: <laughs> hey! Hey! Don't shoot those loads too soon and <laughs> we all get stressed.
2: I didn't ex- expect this script to be so horny. <laughs> uh. We've been locked up for a really long time. We haven't seen people.
8: <laughs> no more
0: side- no more side trips. It was a mistake I'm upstairs. My mistake. I ain't making another one. From now on, it's straight ahead. In and out.
8: Wesker
1: stands and opens the door. <laughs> outside is a service corridor with unfinished walls. Spaces between raw metal beams are stuffed with insulation. Wesker checks the jam outside. It's got a lock mechanism. Blue.
0: Not an override. My key won't work here on the way out. Prop the door.
1: The troopers drag a heavy crate over to the op- door open. Wesker moves out. The commandos trickle in after him. Chris holds Joe behind for a moment. Jill, this guy's a loony tomb.
3: He's just trying to get the job done. Doing what he has to do.
4: Yeah, well, I hope you'll say the same thing
1: about me when I do what I have to do. Chris turns and walks off. Jill follows him out into the service corridor. They catch up with the troop, which is clustered at a blind alley which has two doors.
0: Uh, It's not clear which way to go.
2: Want me to flip a coin?
1: Wesker is annoyed by the remark. Decisively, he slicks one of the doors and uses his green keycard with a bzzz. The lock releases. The troop enters. In the system center, timeless, a vast room 50 by 50 yards. It's filled with heaters, air conditioners, water pumps, mainframes, mounds, piles of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Yeah, There's we. the internal computer network line, one wall, fuse boxes and switcher panels, another. This is the system center for the entire facility. There's an attendant desk just inside the door. Aiken and Sullivan drag it over to prop the door open. It makes a frightening sound as it scrapes the floor, echoing, bouncing around in large space. It prompts a response... Another one of those animal-like snarls from somewhere in the distance.
7: What's that sound like to you?
3: A meat eater.
4: This is the heart of the whole place. We've
1: got to have it protected somehow. Two things happened almost at once. First, Chris notices electric eyes on all of the columns. Duck, hit the deck! Second, a zombie lurches around the corner, bites a chunk out of Marini's face. Jill whirls around to shoot at the zombie, but Chris grabs her, flattens her on the floor. Marini, staggering, screaming in pain, triggers the first electric eye. Laser beams shoot in all directions, forming a tight net. Chris and Jill are barely beneath them. Many of the troopers are hit by the beams, but do no immediate harm. But whatever they contact, small cylinders above the electric eyes begin to hiss. Chris... Sorry. For Christ's uh, sake, get down. The commandos duck under the laser beams just in time. Jets of steam spout out from the cylinders. It's not just hot steam, it's acidic, deadly. Marini is dead on his feet. When he falls, he trips another one of the laser beams. The steam jets spout again. The troop is beneath them, though many are burned. Liquid drops that spit from the nozzles. Amazingly, the zombie has avoided contact, but it begins to stumble after commandos. We realize it's going to activate the sensors again.
7: There's no way out of this mouse trap.
1: So we live here now? We gotta run for it. <laughs> the zombie hits one of the laser beams. The steam hisses out again. The zombie is melted.
3: Bad idea, Spire.
1: Down. Through these.
6: Where do they go?
7: Doesn't matter?
1: Sullivan so whips out a Swiss Army knife and goes to work on his screws that hold down one of the panels. Other troopers do the same. Another zombie lurches out of the darkness and another human hands work furiously, loosening screws. Panels come up. Troopers begin to duck through the openings. The second zombie hits a red bean. Steam again. Chris and Jill are spattered, burned, but Jill bravely keeps working with her own issued knife. She gets a panel open and she drops step through. A third zombie triggers a burst of steam. Chris ducks and covers. When the jets stop, Chris begins to climb into the opening. But one of those legs is grabbed from behind by one of the dead things that has already been melted chris cries out acid from the zombie's hand is burning his leg the thing's lips have been eaten away making its teeth look frighteningly skeletal as it leans forward for a bite of flesh chris jams the stock of the winchester into the zombie's mouth he's able to hold the thing's head back but he's stuck he can't let go jill pops up out of the floor she presses the barrel of her own weapon into the zombie's forehead on three one two chris pulls his rifle away at the same instant jill fires the Zombie is propelled through the air. One of its flailing arms triggers another laser beam. Chris throws himself on top of Jill as steam hisses over them. Twenty yards away, Wesker crawls under the cloud of acid. Just as he climbs through one of the openings, he feels pressure on his ear. A groping zombie. Groping zombie has accidentally hooked his fingers onto the wire that runs from the detonator to Wesker's earpiece. For a breathless moment, it seems like the sensor will be popped loose. Holding the pulse reader in place, Wesker twists his body, lifts his handgun, and pumps three into the deadly thing's brain. In the air duct, the commandos find themselves with no room to stand, hardly room to sit. Chris looks at his rifle stock. It's corroded from the acid in the zombie's mouth, and Jill notices.
3: God, and it doesn't even stop them
1: not meant to stop them. It's
4: meant to stop something else.
6: We damn near got turned into Rice Krispies by that gizmo of yours. If you don't want me to nail that fucking thing into your ear, you deactivate it right now. I can't. They they fixed it, so you can't chicken out. The system can only be turned
0: off by the main panel.
2: Where the hell is that?
0: Barry, you've changed where the explosives <laughs> are. <laughs> <laughs> down farther than we need to go we only have to make it down one more level if we if when we make it back up to the chopters we can fly out of the detonator's single range
4: not willing to rely on that i live here this is my town
0: town's been evacuated to defend
2: it
4: yes
0: town's been evacuated just in case
4: that explains the lie about the plane crash like in the crazies An airplane down with weapons on board would nicely explain a big explosion, wouldn't it? You figured all along you might have to blow this place up.
0: I don't want to do it. I hope I don't have to. That's the best I can do for you, kid. Good faith. Let's knock it out.
1: Wesker moves out. The troop
4: follows. Can't let this happen. I've got to find that bomb.
3: I'll help. Once Wesker gets what he wants, my obligation is over.
4: No, I want you out. With the rest of them. Wesker won't push the button until you're clear.
3: He doesn't want to push the button.
4: He has to. Don't you see? He can't leave these labs here. And Jesus,
1: walking corpses. He's got to get rid of the evidence. In the air shaft, the light is dim at best. Long stretches of the shaft are pitch black, and there's a constant stream of air that moans eerily. The whole mission has been like a descent into hell, darker and more frightening with each level down. There are turnoffs. Keys and Y's. At one point where Jill looks back, she finds Rosie behind her. Chris is gone. Did he leave to deal with the bomb? Chris, no! I've got to try and stop this. Jill starts back towards Chris but freezes. Everyone freezes when the ductwork starts to ping.
2: Shit, one thing after another.
1: Boom! The air shaft is rocked as if punched by a giant fist. Then the whole structure begins to shimmy. What is it, an earthquake? Sit tight. Ride it out. Rivets pop, the panels begin to separate and large pulsing bits of flesh appear. Not animal flesh, but the flesh of a plant. The things that press in through the openings are larger versions of the vines we saw in the kitchen. Those were its fingertips. Though These are its arms, strong arms, that are ripping the ductwork apart. Chris, Rebecca, Aiken, and Sullivan end up in one part of the shaft, the rest in another, including Jill, who calls out, Chris! The section that holds Jill, Chris's group falls away with a monstrous, crunching sound. In the arboretum... Chris's group spills hot of dangling metal with cables from the torn ceiling, sparking around them. The troopers drop out of hell into paradise, an enormous hot house, a lush indoor jungle of plants, ivies, grass. <laughs> it's a rainforest, complete with a thick, damp mist, just like at the rainforest cafe. That makes it difficult to <laughs> see. We might be on another um, planet. None of the foilage. Yeah. Uh,
4: not to interrupt, but um, I, I gotta, I gotta move my car. My roommate wants out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, I'll just be. I'll just be. But we're only, only on
7: level C. I know. <laughs>
4: I know, I know. I'll be right. I'll be right back.
7: Oh
0: Johnny, right can back. you take over for um, Jacob for a few minutes?
7: Uh, right he's playing back. Chris. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Thank God, you. Godless. Note that Rodriguez became rosy in the screenplay all of a sudden. What? Oh, yeah. Oh. Right? Okay. Yeah, I noticed that. Took me a long time reading it this morning to figure that out. But, for our listeners, Rosie is Rodriguez. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. And the, Rodriguez. Part Rod-
1: the part of Rodriguez will be now be played by Rosie. Thank you very
2: much. <laughs> no, it's still played by me either way. I just play all the random roles that start with R. <laughs>
1: well,
7: I just want to point that out for our listeners who are listening to this and might be wondering who the fuck is Rosie? Rosie. <laughs>
2: Well, we've gotten more familiar as the as the movie's wow. gone. On.
0: I feel like we all know one another now. Yeah, <laughs> all we right. can go by first names. <laughs> all right. Pick, pick yes. it up from Burst of Burst of Gunfire.
2: We can't Bur- all have a cool nickname like Christopher. Ready.
0: Ready seems awfully racist Yeah.
1: It's very racist. All right. Burst of Gunfire bursts of gunfire from three yeah. sixteen shatter our ears and a ceiling vent. Wesker and the others jump down into a very unusual corridor it seems to stretch forever in both directions it has no doors, no visible means of exit or entry, the walls are made up of multi polymer tiles whose irregular shapes fit together like a jigsaw puzzle, the floor is heavy steel though faceted, it seems designated to ship, the whole corridor looks like it might be able to bend to change position like an airport jetway there are blood smears of blood everywhere as if some terrible battle or battles took place here this way
3: no that way Chris and the others
0: if they're dead they're dead if they're alive they'll still be alive in 20 minutes when we get back
3: maybe not maybe. And how do we know it's only going to be 20 minutes how do we know we'll be able to come back this way
0: we don't we'll do our damnedest to try this is it, guys, the home stretch. Let's go. Valentine, you're on the clock. Fall in.
1: Jill wrestles with her emotions, but in the end, dutifully, she falls in. As the troopers move off, we hear odd scratching noises with the high pitched squeal of metal on metal. In the Arboretum, the beefy arms of Plant 42 uh, undulate overhead as Chris and his companions look for an exit.
8: This this thing was no accident? It was cultivated?
7: And it didn't rip out the ceiling for the fun of it.
1: Stay alert. The plant seems to behave intelligently with caution. The pods on its arms dart, almost as if sniffing when pulled it back like the vines in the kitchen, like timid animals. Chris spots a doorway. Here. As the others follow him, one of the pods swoops down in front of Rebecca and doesn't withdraw. It hovers there. Its follicles open like jaws, which display serrated daggers of cartilage that look like teeth. Inside a pulsing calcix emits a pistol that twitches and swells.
3: My mother made me eat vegetables. I know them all.
7: This ain't one of them) <laughs> <laughs>
8: It definitely
1: ain't one. Aiken, it definitely ain't one of those vegetables your mom made you eat. Another pod <laughs> swoops down on Sullivan's back. Its beak clamps onto the flesh between its shoulder blades. Its pistol shoots out like a hypodermic needle, stabs him, and within the blink of an eye, sucks out every ounce of the man's blood. His skin turns the color of parchment, flaking off him like powder as she dies.
2: Sullivan! Jesus, Sullivan!
1: Aiken rushes to his buddy's side. Get out of the way! Chris launches himself into a stone-retaining wall around one of the gardens. Leaping up, he grabs one of the sparking conduits and pulls get it down. Get out of there, Aiken. Chris ends up having to shoulder Aiken out of the way. Tendrils from the plant very early get both of them, but Chris manages to jam the semi-rigid conduit of a pool, sprinkler-fed water, into the plant's roots. A bright current stutters through every vine. The plant shrieks hideously as electricity causes fluids to squirt from boils that develop on its flesh, down along its arms and into its blood-sucking pods, which flop lifeless to the floor, with the same sort of liquid smacks that human skulls might make.
3: They, they killed Sullivan. The bastards. Whoever did this, they killed... <laughs>
1: and <laughs> rage, Clay Aiken draws a long blade <laughs> and wildly attacks the remains of Plant Forty Two, slashing at the thing's dead limbs not stopping until he cuts into something that looks like a vine but feeds red. Clay Aiken traces the thing with his eyes, up to where it's coiled in high tree branches. It's the oversized body of a copperhead with a belly six feet diameter. As Clay wow. Aiken gasps, spellbound, he stuck behind. The snake is so long, its body draped Neck. on one side of the greenhouse, but its head on the other. With the power of a dozer shovel, jaws like the open foot of a Cadillac keep the size of a window clamp onto Clay Aiken's midsection, instantly crushing his ribs. Ouch. Chris <laughs> finds a skein and a rope. He throws the lung and over the ceiling beam, then instantly makes a lasso out of the piece in hand and tosses the loop into the snake's head. The noose slips down over the snake's maxillaries and tightens it around its neck. Chris uses all of his strength with the ceiling beam as a pulley. The snake's head is slammed against the wrappers. Hold this. Rebecca is understandably not quick to respond. Get in here, soldier! Moving fast, Chris rushes to where Clay Aiken's knife dropped on the floor. He (laughs) drops it, turns back, and sees something moving inside the snake's bearded torso. It's Aiken, still alive and curled within, like Jonah in the whale. His chest has been crushed to half its normal size. Acids from the monster's intestine have become to eat through his flesh on his hands, his face, but he's still conscious, able to wheeze out words. Anaconda!
2: Kill me. Sullivan said I'd be better off dead. This ain't never been truer than now.
1: The snake uses I mean, all its strength to lower its head from the ceiling. Rebecca hangs bravely onto the rope, but she's lifted bodily off the floor. The rope snaps, cut by a steel beam. Rebecca falls, the trailing edge of the noose catches a twisted debris. It delays the snake for two seconds. Those fragile seconds give Chris enough time to reach into the open belly of the monster and the pins on two grenades that dangle from Clay Aiken's vest. The giant copperhead snaps at Chris from behind, missing him by inches. He dives like a wide receiver, reaching for a pass. When he reaches his, Rebecca's arm, his momentum carries her down to the floor. They roll behind another stone wall that contains a ton of earth which protects them. Ba-boom! The explosion's of the grenades which blow Clay Aiken and, and yards of the snake's midsection Ouch. into eternity. In the conference room, the same nervous hands that we saw in the opening pigeon on the polished surface of the conference table. A distorted voice scratches over a speakerphone.
0: We're close. I think Jacob's back. I think we'll be able to get nope. the package. It's been very interesting.
2: Anything you can't handle?
1: Hey, nothing I can't handle.
2: Keep us pressed.
1: The man with the ring's hand clicks off the speakerphone.
2: I'm reassured, gentlemen, that everything is under control.
1: Wesker, alone in a strange, faceted corridor, packs away his radio. He hears footsteps. Jill appears. Where are the others?
3: Right behind me. Were
2: you talking to someone?
0: To Washington. To my superiors. They're your superiors, too, Valentine. Don't forget that.
2: Nothing, man. No doors. Nothing. We hit a dead end.
6: Us too. Cement wall. We're never going to get to the lab. In the electric
1: tunnel, Chris and Rebecca are <laughs> crawling through a two-feet-high feeder passage for electric cables, their bellies scraping the floor, their backs on the ceiling.
8: <sighs> I can't I can't take this anymore.
1: We take uh, what comes. Uh, that's
4: the secret uh, of
7: our children. come back. Hi! Okay, take it.
4: We take what comes that's the secret of our genius how old are you
8: <laughs> not very old at all not nearly old enough to to
4: none of us is old enough for that
8: jill, jill told me you
3: were
1: nice you did never told me the sound returns to chunk chunk getting louder in the runway Down in the corridor, the other troopers see faintly in the dusty reaches of the dark, agile shapes, not along the floor, but along the ceiling. They look like apes swinging from what... But what could they be swinging from? The ceiling's solid metal. Close on, a monstrous hand, both hairy and scaly. The white... The shot widens to reveal a beast unlike anything we've ever seen, dangling from the ceiling. It's ape-like and lizard-like, with ferocious eyes that glitter from beneath an instinct-like carapace. The thing is an amygdala of the Nasty creatures pursue us in our nightmares. It's called a hunter. There are six of them. As far as we can see, there might be more coming from behind. One of them was out a. Of... Now it echoes in the corridor, up close and personal. The troopers open fire even before the creatures get in range. Chris and Rebecca hear the gunfire. Hurry! Chris crawls on. Rebecca is stopped with... One of the hunters crawls, punches up through the floor, almost stabbing her. Rebecca screams into tight space. Chris is barely able to reach and take her hand. More claws penetrate the metal. The couple plunge ahead of them the way Chris plunged ahead of the bullets on level A. In the runway, Wesker, Jill, and the others spit... Lead spit lead at the advancing creatures. Bullets sunk into their bodies, blood flows, but the creature seems to feel no pain, even when they're squarely in their skulls. Chris crawls on. Rebecca is stopped when Kachung, one of the hunter's claws, punches up through the floor, almost stabbing her. Rebecca screams in the tight space. Chris is barely able to reach back and take her hand. Kachunk, Kachunk, more claws penetrate the metal. The couple plunge ahead of them the way Chris plunged ahead of the bullets on level A. In the runway, Wesker, Jill, and the others spit lead at the advancing creatures. Bullets sunk into their bodies. Blood flows, but the creatures seem to feel no pain, even when they're hit squarely in the skulls. Headshots. Ain't doing nothing.
5: That was the idea. What idea? To
0: win. The idea was to win.
1: Jill aims at one of the hunters, pressing the trigger of her M16 and not letting go until her clip runs out. The creature's head is turned ragged by the barrage, revealing an iron superstructure beneath the skin.
4: Now that is a metalhead.
1: Jill looks up. Chris jumps out of the open gate in the ceiling. Rebecca jumps down after him.
4: What do you think? Should I wait for orders or just wing it? Wing it. You know, that just might be the ticket. Wing the fuckers.
1: Chris takes a careful shot with his Winchester. He hits one of the hunters squarely on its wrist, which snaps. The creature drops to the floor.
4: Forget the headshots. They're useless. Shoot for the joints. The joints.
1: The troopers fire at knees, ankles, elbows, genitalia, which seem to be the weakest spots. Most of the hunters drop from the ceiling, but they continue to advance, (laughs) crawling, pushing themselves forward with whatever limbs remain intact.
6: Run. We slowed them down. Run. Where?
5: As far as we'll get either way, it's a cement fucking wall.
1: There are two hunters left in the ceiling. One of them makes a mighty impossible lunge and hits Spire like a battering ram, slashing his chest open with its claws. Two of the hunters on the floor rush forward, not attacking, but wanting to feed on Spire's remains. The troopers narrowly escape at the floor behind them grinds in and out, left and right, as if it were chewing. Spire's body and those of the hunters on the floor are eaten by the powerful steel blades. An invisible jigsaw door glides open 20 yards down the hall. The troopers run for it, and are met by a beautiful Asian scientist, the woman we saw in the video playback, Ada Wong.
2: You lost a man. If only I had been faster. I was unfamiliar with the mechanism. God, one of them is still... quickly, inside, quickly! Don't worry, it's mindless. It doesn't realize that it's strong enough to push the door open.
5: Sometimes the dumb get lucky.
2: Hasn't happened to me yet.
1: After a terrifying moment the clog recedes, the hunter departs. Everyone relaxes visibly.
2: My colleagues, Benjamin, Toshiro, as far as we know, we are the only ones left alive. We worked on sea level, but one of the biologists saved us, brought us down here. He knew that he didn't have long to live. He started the mechanism out there, in the corridor. And he let it take him. I only saw use that one time, or perhaps I could have been faster. The man you lost? You did fine, lady. We're obliged. As are we. We believed we would die here. Believed the bomb would destroy us. You knew about the bomb. The end for a place like this, when it falls, must be a bomb, yes? But now that you are here, the bomb will not come.
4: It already came, ma'am. We brought it. The colonel here, he's wearing it.
2: Is it true? Are you here to rescue or destroy?
8: Both.
0: Have to pick one, I'll pick destroy.
2: You're not stars, you're umbrella.
0: Once again, both. Two salaries, three if you count combat pay.
2: The man I loved, John Marcus, developed the organism that caused all this. He did it for humanitarian purposes. It was taken away from him for inhuman purposes by men like you.
0: No, ma'am. Men like me are just errand boys. Send and do the wet work, all the glory, none of the benefits.
2: After what you've seen down here, do you think any of it could be turned to a benefit?
0: Yeah, I think it'd be turned to five or ten million dollars. How do we get into the D
8: Lab?
2: Death Lab? John was killed, never even knowing it existed. It kept him isolated upstairs, while a separate team was down here, corrupting his research, using it to build B.O.W.'s.
4: B.O.W.'s?
2: Bioorganic weapons. The sharks! The plants! <laughs> I, I guess I'm on that <laughs> one, too? Okay. I can pick up Rebecca, <laughs> if you want. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Right. The sharks? The plant? Early experiments.
4: The snake?
2: A failure. Its behavior remained reptilian. All they could ever get it to do was grow in size. Those dogs? They were weapons? No. They simply became infected, as did everyone else. Janitors, the cook, electricians, guards, people who believed they were serving their flag scientists, great minds, turned into mindless ghouls.
4: Before the outbreak, the experiments went further, didn't they? Those ceiling crawlers out there. The
2: product of human DNA spliced with the DNA of vicious carnivore animals. Even insects, plated with armors beneath newly cultivated skin, then injected with poison so their biological components would die. Die? The T-virus reactivates them in a matter of minutes, but in battle... Lost minutes are inconvenient, so the B.O.W.s had to die to be allowed to revive before they could be used to full advantage. They were murdered by their own people, so they could never be murdered again by the enemy.
4: Were any more of these weapons developed?
0: How do we get into the
1: fucking D-Lab?
2: You don't!
1: Ada glances at an innocuous wall panel. Wesker notices a key slot. Green.
2: It can't be opened, thank god. None of us are cleared for that level of security.
0: How fortunate that I am.
1: Wesker steps over to the wall and inserts his green card into the slot. The panel slides open. A lock clicks. Wesker pushes the door open. Barry,
0: come with me. The rest of you, make sure this door doesn't close. Remember, if I go up, we all go up.
2: Have you been leaving doors open? Yes. This place is going to be overrun by. Brad's in really bad shape.
1: Brad is leaning against the wall, sweating, shivering. Rebecca looks at his wounded leg.
6: That's not just a scrape. You were bitten, weren't you? One of the sharks. Its teeth. I just brushed up against its teeth after it was dead.
2: Shoot him. Somebody shoot him. No.
3: We're so close. The antidote.
8: What's gotten
1: into you, man? Oh. No, In in the sterile.
5: What's gotten into you, man? This isn't like you.
0: Oh, yeah? This is exactly like me. This is what I've been my whole life. Guy sucking up to the honchos. Wiping the shit off their asses. All the while, they're looking for a break. A way to get some of my own. Well, this is it, my friend. I'm myself, all right? And I know exactly what I'm doing. I told you before this day was over, I'd pay you
8: back.
1: In the cubicle, Chris and Jill step past Rodriguez. They take off down the stairs. As they leave, Ada opens a desk drawer and pulls out a 45.
2: You know how to use that thing, Chica? Of course I do. I'm a scientist.
1: Ada clicks back the bolt, whips up the 45, and aims it at Brad's head. Rebecca dives in front of the man.
3: No, you can't. Not while there's still a chance to save him.
1: In the safety chamber. In Lab D, Wesker and Barry arrive at a set of plexiglass doors. They can't see through them; they're fogged. Wesker finds a key slot, inserts his access card, and whoosh—the doors open. A cloud of hypercold mist rushes out. Wesker squints to defreeze, sees the thing that stands sedated within the cylinder: the Tyrant. It's nine feet tall, like the hunters. It has more or less human form. Monstrous steel claws depend from its fingers, nearly touching the floor.
0: It's called the Tyrant. No one knows it exists. Except us, and Holden. Holden? Umbrella's man in DC. We need him. Signs of checks. We got it, Barry. We got our fortune.
5: You're not gonna try to get this big motherfucker out of there, are you?
0: <laughs> Don't have to. All he needs the data. Then these things will be cranked out on the
1: assembly line. Laying down his automatic. Wesker hits computer keys until a disc pops out of a master feed.
5: Yes. This is it. What about the antidote? The antidote?
8: <laughs>
1: shit. It's no antidote.
0: That's just a bunch of happy horse shit to keep the team going.
1: Neither man notices that the removal of the master disc has caused certain systems to fail, indicated by red lights, and by the fact that the walls of the tyrant's cylinder are beginning to run liquid sweat. The ice is going to break! <laughs> You're going to give this...
5: You're gonna fucking give this to Umbrella? No, 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 Barry, no.
8: No. No.
0: I'm gonna sell it to him. Then I'm gonna open a Swiss bank account
1: right next to yours.
0: God
8: damn.
1: Jill has appeared in the doorway with Chris. They both look at the monster with awe and terror.
3: That thing can't
0: be real. Oh, it's real, all right. And it's spectacular. And it's worth more than gold. More than uranium.
2: Do we get a piece of that action?
1: Rosie has arrived. So have Rebecca, Ada, and the two surviving scientists.
0: All you do. Anyone who comes out of this alive, you get a taste.
2: I'm in. I've been eating shit all my life. I'm happy to eat some more as long as I don't get some, as long as I get some gravy on it. <laughs>
0: anyone
1: else see it my way? <laughs> One What an scientists Toshiro, rushes to join.
2: You disgrace yourself.
0: I want to live. Smart man. Anyone else? Valentine.
1: Jill looks at Chris, then she steps to the doorway and takes the defensive post beside her CO.
4: I was going to try to disarm the bomb. This place should be destroyed.
1: It needs to be destroyed. Chris lifts his rifle. Wesker is faster with his pistol, aiming at Chris's belly.
0: Gotcha, son. It's only because of Valentine here that I didn't squeeze the trigger.
1: Chris and Jill exchange dagger eyes.
4: She's on your side. She doesn't mean shit to me, and I don't mean shit to her.
3: Chris, please. There's only one way to go here.
8: That's
1: right. My way.
3: Yes, sir. Your way.
1: Jill presses in close to Wesker, as if completely allied.
3: I can't tell you, Chris, how much I wanted things to have turned out differently. Goodbye.
1: Swiftly, unexpectedly, Jill snatches the detonator wire and pulls the sensor out of Wesker's ear. Everyone shuts their eyes, expecting to be blown sky high. But nothing happens. Jill puts the de- pulls the de- detonator off Wesker's belt. She stares small at a small LED screen which reads 1442-1615. 14. 14. Shit.
3: I got all my courage up and we still have 15 minutes.
1: Jill tosses the detonator to Chris. Wesker turns on her, lifting his M16.
5: You shoot, I shoot, boss.
1: Wesker turns to find Barry's weapon aiming at his belly. (laughs) Shit, here I am still calling you boss. Wesker is holding the data disk. Suddenly, he feels it snatched away by Ada, who has rushed into the room. He aims his weapon at her back as she darts away. Before he can fire, he's kicked in the head by Jill. Buckling, dazed, he looks up at her.
3: We believed in you. I believed in you. Boy, was I a sucker.
1: She kicks him again just for the hell of it. He flops on the floor. His eye socket swollen. He's dropped his gun. He gropes for it. Barry steps in and boots it away. A klaxon sounds. Emergency. <laughs> the ice in the tyrant's tank has melted down to a critical level. The monster's beginning to move. Uh,
2: Get out now or you never will. So we'll live here? No. Nah. The landlord looks like a son of a bitch.
1: Rosie rushes to help Ada hold the doors. So does Benjamin, the second of the surviving scientists who is mauled from behind by a zombie. It's not just any zombie, it's Brad Vickers, back from death, who bites out the artery into Benjamin's neck. (laughs) I told you to shoot him. Ada lifts her 45 and blows Vickers away. She looks down at Benjamin writhing on the floor, aims at his head and fires again. Rodriguez is the only one holding the doors. Jill rushes to help her.
3: Everybody out.
4: 13 minutes
1: inside the lab Barry turns to Toshiro the other scientist go Toshiro hesitates a second too long crash the stasis tube bursts open water and bits of ice fly out along with an enormous bionic bionic hand big enough to grab Toshiro's head as if it were a cantaloupe powerful enough to crush the head as it were well a cantaloupe Wesker starts toward the door Barry grabs the back of his shirt and pitches him across the lab
5: you and me ain't going nowhere Now, just now,
1: not just now, boss. This
5: thing gets loose, it's gonna be pissed. Someone's gotta hold it back. Give your guys a fucking fair chance. Look out!
1: Wesker has found his pistol He fires at Barry Who ducking is only grazed Wesker aims at the group In the doorway Barry pops up From behind the desk And shoots back at him Ada and Rebecca Duck away from the doors Pulling Rodriguez And her reluctant chill After them The doors begin To slide closed Chris val- valiantly tries To prevent them From shutting Wesker looks up Through the pe- plexiglass His eyes meet Chris's
0: Get me out of here Redfield Get me out of here So help me God You're a fucking dead man Get going
2: Not without
1: Move a to Rebecca and Rodriguez, wrestle Jill away bodily and start up the metal stairway.
0: Come back, Rodriguez Valentine. That's an order. Orders
4: don't mean shit anymore, Wesker, especially when they come from sellout bastards like you.
1: Me. Chris lets go. The door squeeze tighter. Wesker screams. Blam, blam, blam. Wesker fires three rounds. Dusty blemishes appear on the bulletproof glass. The slugs ricochet back into the lab. The ice in the stasis tube is turning to slush. The tyrant is about to break loose. Wesker looks pleadingly at Barry. Buddy,
0: buddy, you got to get us out.
5: Not sure I know how, boss. Do you? Is there some other need-to-know secret for shutting down the big bopper here? No. It it can't be shut down. The ultimate warrior, the ultimate soldier. We'll see how does it how it does against a couple of hard-ass career guys like you and me.
1: That was weird. Wesker swings his arm free and aims his pistol at Barry. Click, the gun is empty. The escapees, the escapees arrive in the security cubicle.
2: The corridor outside can be moved.
1: Ada rushes over to the instrument panel. Her hands go to work with an array of buttons and switches.
2: You won't come out in the same place, but you'll find a freight loader that can be ac- accessed with- A blue key, I hope. No, not blue or green, red.
1: Ada pulls a red key from under her lab coat, snaps the chain on her neck, and holds it out to Chris.
2: I took it from an Umbrella agent assigned to us here. He died, like all the rest.
4: Red overrides green. Yes. So you could have unlocked the D-Lab.
2: I was hoping it would never be unlocked again. Go. I will see that this is destroyed.
1: Chris grabs Ada's arm and holds it tight while she wrenches the disc away from her. He folds it over and into itself, drops it to the floor, and pumps three Winchester rounds into it.
4: It's destroyed. It's worthless. But you are not.
2: I helped develop it.
4: Unwittingly, they lied to you. They lied to Marcus. They made you believe you were doing, good, uh, doing a good thing when it wasn't good at all. It was evil. Pure evil. The kind of evil that resides in all of us makes us greedy and caring. Kind of evil that will wipe us out in the end, unless we stand up to it.
3: Are you saying this evil is a resident in all of us?
4: Yes, a (laughs) resident evil.
2: Stand up! (laughs) Stand up against powers that have ruled the world since before we were born. The Koch brothers—we will only be eliminated or knocked away someplace else. I'd rather die here, knowing that the virus has died before. What if it's already spread? You're the only one who knew anything about it. But I know so little. True.
4: More than anyone else,
1: you have a responsibility.
0: To a higher command. The highest. Have you tried drinking Lysol?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She and Chris touch eyes. This time with understanding. (laughs) Uh, George. The tyrant flexes its monumental muscles, big and bulgy, glistening with the ice. The ice around it cracks but clings, the giant heart dangling outside its massive, writhing chest pumps, rapidly sending fluids through exposed synthetic veins that run into the creature's brain.
5: That's one hell of a big bump. It's an implant. From what? A fucking elephant? Rhinoceros. Shit. I figured you knew more than you were telling. How do we kill this thing? I told you we don't. We we can't. It's unfucking stoppable.
2: That scene was much funnier when we were all drunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, more gosh. ice.
2: Pops more off of loving monster. description of the tyrants
1: <laughs> rippling pectorals. <laughs> more ice pops off the monster's glistening pectorals as they bulge and move and like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know if I can face this.
4: Just get upstairs. I'll take care of it from here.
2: All right. Come. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the
1: most bulging <laughs> It's hard not to. They break, <laughs> <out> at, <laughs> they break out at the run, clacking along the faceted steel floor of the movable and still moving corridor. Krung. They're. Nearly knocked off their feet when the system suddenly stops dead. A panel grinds open, revealing a more natural-looking corridor. Halfway along, there are steel prongs that protrude from a wall. The group starts towards them but stops when a shoal-shivering sound fills the passageway, the hungry moaning of things that are dead.
2: Doors were left open were you all in raised the- in a barn? Yes. <laughs>
1: well, Chris was. In in the D-lab, the massive tyrant breaks free of the last bit of re- restricting ice. Wesker freaks whimpering, he gropes with his gropes with his hand that's outside the plexiglass doors. He grabs something, a boot. Brad Vickers boot. Wesker tugs at it. Barry opens fire onto the tyrant, full bore with his M16. The stream of bullets does nothing except make the monster notice it, the big man. In the freight corridor, the escapees run down toward the corridor. Shapes appear at the far end. Zombies. 20, 30, 40 more. The humans reach the freight loader. Ada swipes her red key through the slot and pushes a button. The chain drive grinds upward, hoisting the prongs. Ada pushes Rebecca onto the next set of prongs that come up out of the floor.
2: Step on. I don't know if it's going to happen. Come on, I've been waiting all day for something like this.
1: Rosie opens fire. Chris and Jill follow suit as Ada steps onto the next set of prongs. Blood flies, skulls shatter. Front ranks drop. Zombies from behind push their fallen comrades ahead of them. The corridor is like a syringe filled with corrupted bodies, pushing inex- interactively forward. You're up.
2: I'm having too much fun. You got a lady. I just got me. Anyway, I ain't going to die in this rat hole. I'll make it. Get out of here.
1: Chris hands Jill's rifle to Rosie, who fires with both hands as Chris jumps into the lift. Zombies are mowed down, but more come. The syringe keeps pressing. The next prongs rise. Rosie steps on, still blasting. The first zombies reach her, shooting down. She blows them away, but more come, grabbing her legs, grabbing the chains, rocking the prongs. Rosie nearly falls. She drops one of the rifles in order to hold on. Above Rosie, the others rise slowly, very slowly, feeling apprehensive, vulnerable. Rebecca at the top looks up and sees lights spilling through an opening through which she is about to pass.
2: Level C, have your weapons ready. Whoop-de-doo!
1: In the D-Lab, the tyrant, still a bit sluggish but sexy nonetheless, steps down from the platform to support its tank. Barry jams in a fresh clip and keeps firing at the thing. The tyrant, impervious, stalks after the big trooper. Wesker is still on the floor, his arm through the doors, tugging on Vicker's boot. He drags Vicker's body closer until the boot winds up into the opening, preventing the doors from closing. Wesker manages to pull his bloody arm free. He rushes to a computer console and types the request for T-Virus.
5: Get on her desk, man. I'm gonna feed this motherfucker a pineapple. No, it might damage the system. I've gotta get the
1: data. Wesker's M16 has been lying where he left it, on the console. He picks it up. Forget it! Bullets don't work! Barry is about to pull on the pin of the grenade when Wesker triggers off a burst into Barry's gut.
0: That seems to work just fine. Which is probably Barry how the potted pendulum is going to end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Barry is blasted across the lab. The tyrant makes its first quick move, making us appreciate how fast and powerful and sexy it really is. It at <laughs> Barry's body as it flies through the air, catching it in its steel claw. We hear bones snap as Barry goes limp.
0: That's it. Take a little lunch break, Mr. T. Pity that fool. I just need a few more seconds.
1: The tyrant lifts Barry's body as if it were light as a feather up to its snout. Recognizing the man is dead, the monster flings him aside like so much garbage and begins to lumber towards Wesker.
0: Come on, come on, come on, come
1: on, come on. 100% transfer completed. Wesker ejects the floppy disk, jams it into his flak jacket and firing another burst. Runs for the door. The tyrant has to move around the desks and computers consoles to catch him. A warning buzzer goes off. The tyrant dimly registers the sound. Its eyes, its eyes dilate like camera shutters. With a click, it strides forward at top speed, pitching desks easily aside, smashing through a console as if it were made of balsa. Wesker has pried the doors wide. The tyrant is coming at him fast. It's going to be very close. Wesker makes it. He gets outside. The doors begin to glide shut and he laughs.
0: <laughs> Eat shit, you motherfucker!
1: Clang! <laughs> <laughs> the tyrant's long bionic claws shoot with the speed of switchblades through the opening. Just before the doors meet, four of the claws skewer Wesker, passing clean through him. He doesn't die instantly, he's still alive and screaming when the tyrant uses his. Same hand, which Wesker impaled on it to push the doors wide open again. The action causes Wesker's head to be sliced off by one of the steel bumpers. The tyrant steps out of the lab. As the doors glide shut, the monster holds the remainder of Wesker's body inside their path. The bumpers are stopped by the tyrant's iron hand, which it extracts, letting the door scrape the dead meat from its claws.
2: Level B. Ladies wear, children's wear. Ladies lingerie. Don't see anything. Good. Well, Miss almost there. You'll have to jump off. The belt won't stop.
1: As the echo of Ada's voice rings off, Rebecca looks up and something drives down out of the darkness. She ducks, almost losing her balance. She clings to the chain as other things black, relatively small, whip past her head.
8: Bats!
2: There are bats in here! No, they're crows. Infected. Don't let them bite you.
1: Rebecca dodges with new urgency as the blackbirds dive past her. Looking up, she sees more coming. One hits Ada. She swats it aside. It drops all the way down to Rosie, who jumps, gasping when it hits her.
2: Rats! Flying rats!
1: Rosie opens fire, filling the shaft with ribbons of lead. Another bird dives from above and skits, takes a chunk out of its Rosie's cheek.
2: Ah, you fucker!
1: Uh, you okay?
2: Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool.
1: Rosie keeps firing. The deafening sound of her M16 keeps her from hearing a edge into sheet metal wall. A second later, uh, the metal is torn open like tissue paper. Something dark lunges from the opening. It's the surviving hunter. One of its steel claws grabs the chain drive. The mechanism stops dead. Quick cuts of the escapees slipping, nearly falling as they hang on to the chain.
2: I thought it wasn't supposed to stop. Climb out. Out.
1: Rebecca has nearly reached level A. She's able to hoist herself up and roll to safety. Ada tries to climb, and the chain is greasy. Her hands slip below. The hunter lets go of the mechanism, and the chain jerks. The escapee nearly lose their balance again. Rosie at the bottom is being lifted toward the hunter's free hand. She jumps down, barely catching the next set of prongs beneath her. At the top, Ada reaches level A, and Rebecca catches her and pulls her up onto level A. Rosie?
2: I'm all right.
1: She's not all right. She's trapped. She can't get up past the hunter. She fires at the thing. Bullets bounce off its protective steel hide.
2: Here. Here, you lizard. You fucking cockroach.
1: Here. Flack! Something crashes on the wall. A monster's claw then impales a hunter. It's the claw of the tyrant. The chain mechanism begins to rise again. Rosie, cringing, is lifted past the monster just as it leans its head and shoulders into the shaft to examine what is caught. Disappointed, the tyrant scrapes the hunter off its claw. It drops away down the shaft. The tyrant turns its clicking, dilating eyes up at Rosie, and Chung purposely stops the rising chain.
2: Bad news, guys. This thing's not so stupid.
4: Climb, Rosie! Climb!
2: Nah. I'm finished. I live here now.
1: Rosie! No! Rosie dies off the prongs directly at the tyrant with another lightning move. The monster catches her in its final claw, crushing her ribs with blood spurting from her mouth. She utters her last words.
2: Eat me, you pile of shit! Come. Rosie! Come. You convinced me that there were larger matters. We're at the top. You said you'd get us out.
1: This way. They are in the Maniac Mansion, which Chris knows well. He leads his small troop into a small powder room, decorated garrison in an East Indian motif. A, sur- a ceramic statue of Joe Exotic the Tiger King sits top of vanity. Chris <laughs> grabs it and twists on a pivot. A panel spins. The commode disappears into the wall, opening up a secret passage.
3: Oh, the shithouse. Guy was a bootlegger with a sense of humor.
1: Chris leads the other into a small blank chamber. The only thing it holds is a grandfather clock.
4: I hope they haven't disabled this.
1: Chris opens the door to covers the clock face. He quickly spins the hands until they hit high noon. Grrong, a wall begins to grind open, straining against rust dirt from idleness, years of idleness. Cobwebs are pulled apart and daylight appears.
4: All right, we made it. Chris urges the others
1: through the opening. At the same time, he checks the detonator. The LED is down to six minutes and counting. And at the controls of a helicopter, LaGuardia spots something. Rebecca and then Ada and Jill climbing onto the lawn. Like, I'm going in.
6: You don't have authority.
1: Fuck authority. Chris yeah. climbs out of the secret exit. There's a sense of relief of salvation. Only Chris knows a bit of plaster falling away from one of the mansion's stone walls. Watch it. Watch it. K'rash! The tyrant bursts through the wall with superhuman speed and attacks the escapees who run, dodge, barely escaping the wishing swipe of its iron claw.
6: What a god's name is that thing? Something
7: we weren't supposed to see. Drop the ladder and drop the stinger!
1: The Huey swoops down as low as safety will allow. A faceted aluminum ladder unfurls. Get up! Chris pushes Jill toward the ladder. She pulls on Ada's arm and sends her up first. Ada begins to climb, then Rebecca. The tyrant closes in, swiping at Chris, who just manages to avoid the slice of its mighty claw. The radio man leans out of the door above, holding something.
6: Catch this.
3: Toss it to me.
1: The radio man drops the stinger, a rocket with a shoulder launcher, down into Jill's hands. Chris hits the dirt and the tyrant tries to crush him by stepping on him. Chris rolls away. The ladder is too wobbly. Jill can't be sure of launching an accurate shot. Chris. Chris looks up, sees Jill holding the rocket launcher. He runs past the tyrant, okie dokieing left and right, then dodging left and right again. Jill pitches the weapon. Chris catches it. The tyrant is on him, about to stomp. Chris aims at the monster's rhinoceros heart and fires. The rocket connects on target. The casing around the animal heart explodes, and the tyrant drops like a giant redwood on top of Chris's legs. Time to detonation. Three minutes. 2.59. Eight. 7, 6. LaGuardia drops his chopper down a bit lower. The bottom of the ladder hits the ground, and coming within Chris's reach, he grabs on. The helicopter rises again, and Chris is pulled out from under the tyrant's steel body and is lifted onto the air. Chris dangles as the Huey banks away over the forest. The tops of the trees whip his legs, but he hangs on, climbing up until the other catches hands and hoists him out of the chopper. Chris checks the LED. 1 minute, 45 seconds.
2: We have to get out of range.
4: No.
7: Circle around.
1: Are there more survivors?
4: No, just, just circle, okay? I want to take
1: a last look. The Huey banks into a circle. Chris looks down at the mansion and just over the hills, his farm.
4: It's your home. I hoped it would be our home. I guess we're going to be moving.
1: Chris checks the LED. 38 seconds.
4: Full throttle. Out of here, man.
1: LaGuardia pushes his stick. The Huey lunges forward at top speed. Rebecca, Ada, and Jill are pressed back by inertia. Chris holds himself erect through the window in the receding sky. He spots an eagle riding the wind. Cut to the Arkley Forest. Boom! The ground erupts from an enormous underground explosion. The mansion is reduced to particulate as the shockwave spreads outward. Chris's farmhand rake is shambling out of the house, a zombie, when the explosive force hits, tearing him apart. On Raccoon City that day, the town is empty except for nine lonely figures lumbering down Main Street. They too are zombies, the hot wave hits. Two are vaporized, fire engulfs two more. The brains of two others are destroyed by flying debris, which catches the remaining three as well. Arms are torn off, iron shafts from shattered plumbing, shards of window glass, slats from picket fences, punched through the necks, chests, and bellies, but the dead things their skulls undamaged. So billows of just drooling hungrily, and the screen goes black.
0: All right.
5: Excellent work, everyone. Woo! All
0: right. Thank you so much, guys. That was... so oh, pleasure.
5: That was a lot of fun. And thank you, Leatherface. All right.
0: Thank you to everybody who tuned in tonight to our recording of George Romero's Resident Evil. Uh, Hope you guys really did enjoy that. It was a lot of fun making it, despite all the technical snafus. Thanks to all of our cast. Thanks to all of our listeners out there who are super patient with us. Hopefully we found a couple new listeners We'll be back next week with Creep Show 3. And then after that, we are moving on to the Alien franchise. That'll cover 4 Four movies, along with Prometheus and Covenant. Talk to you guys soon.